Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us, coming from Deep Cree Space, we have the Star-Lord, Mike. Hail Hydra. We have, straight off of his five-year expedition, from the deepest space in his Star Trek, Curtis. Captain's Log. Coming from far beneath the ocean, the king of the seven seas, Aqua Ross. Bantha's. Dubak. And, of course, the Space Knight, CBS. That was wrong. <laughs> I like that. And looking deep inside the Green Lantern universe, we have the Space Shark, Rob. I, I, I evolved to destroy all things, and I wear a purple leotard. Space Shark. But you never evolved fashion sense. That's Rob. Of no use in combat. <laughs> he has admitted that part in his evolution. I <laughs> mean, I can wear pants? <laughs> <laughs> my shirt and my pants don't have to be one thing? <laughs> no, he was bad news, and he's ridiculous to behold. If you get a chance, look up Space Shark. Worse than, than Fen Fang Foom? Yeah. Because Fen Fang Foom is giant. Yeah, he's a dragon. This, this guy, well, he still has pants on. He's just it's a leotard. You Purple know. pants. Yeah. It's, it's all one thing. Yeah, he's got about as much fashion sense as the Hulk. But, like, this guy, he's supposed to evolve to destroy everything, and he's like, purple and pink, that's the way to go! <laughs> Sounds like Thanos. A little Thanos bit. Doesn't wear pink. But he wears purple. He rocks his purple out, though. Yeah, like a pimp. Oh, wait, that's his face, <laughs> not his suit. <laughs> Moving on. Yellow, Sinestro. Yellow, yellow. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly. You stop. Sorry. <laughs> you stop. Sorry. All right, so, man, uh, book-wise today, we're going to do uh, <laughs> Iron Fist number one, uh, Sinestro number one, then uh, Flash Gordon number one. Ah. Oh, I'm expecting everyone to do it, but it's all right. <laughs> I'm on cue. That's good. Only one gets paid this week. Woo! Oh. I like Cheetos. <laughs> the Hulk number one, and then Batman Eternal, I guess one and two. So mostly one, so it's a bunch of number ones again. This is craziness. This is what happens. Every week, something new. That's true, actually. Uh, let's start with a little bit of news from the internet. Ross. Uh, probably the biggest thing was the direction they're going to go with Nightwing. Oh. That's a pretty crazy idea here. So if you're at home or listening, have not, are, not are currently reading, and with great anticipation, expecting what's going to happen at the end of... Uh, Forever Evil at the end of May, for whatever reason. We're sorry. Uh, you might skip forward a couple of minutes. Ross, kill their dreams. Okay, so in Forever Evil, Nightwing's identity has been revealed to everyone. And so he obviously can't go back to being Nightwing. Right. Batman's suggestion at the end is going to be that instead of going back to Nightwing, he stays dead. So that people can't find out his secret identity and Batgirl's secret identity and find Alfred and all that, and so Nightwing goes to join the Secret Services as a spy. An interesting line of choices there. Yeah. This isn't the first time Batman's told somebody to stay dead, is it? No. But it's only between him and Batman. Not even Alfred will yeah. know. 
No one else knows. No one else knew about Nobody's gonna know. the name of this book going to be? Grayson. Dick! Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> no, just Grayson. Oh. There's no, there's no, there's no in it. Ag- Agent of Spiral. Is it? He's going to be a part of Spiral. Hmm. Yeah. It's Kathy Kane's group of weirdness. But huh. Tim Seeley will be writing it. Which is freaking awesome. So it may just pull that out of the fire and into the pan. I don't think that's how that saying goes, but good job. <laughs> pretty, pretty that's sure. about the idea has potential. Get. <clears throat> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it potential. I mean, Tim Seeley's a good writer. I mean, if you haven't read his revival or Hack Slash or uh, any of the GI Joe he did for Devils Do before they were done. And he is doing part of Batman Eternal too. Right. Yeah, that's true. He's part of that whole. So, dude's a good writer. I mean, the revival is like one of the, I don't know one of the top books in the industry right now. I think, as far as independents are concerned. I mean, it's awesome. Anyway, um, as far as the rest of it's concerned, uh, I don't know. I, what did Tim, what did, he, what did he put in his, it was Tim Seeley that put a quote on his uh, Facebook page, wasn't it? Or it was, no, it was, uh, Twitter. It was Twitter. What, what did he say on Twitter? Everybody... He said something like, we'll take good care of your dick. Yeah. Or something like that. And everybody loves. No, he didn't say that. No. God. I'm pretty sure that was in there. No, I think you're. Somebody else said that? Swatting flies or whatever that other saying is. I'm not too good tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the same. Something with honey? Yeah, Not peanut butter. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar? I don't think that's what I was trying to say. But that works. What does that have to say? People really do love Dick Grayson. So much Twitters. Thanks for the cr- congratulations and excitement. We will take good care of your dick. <laughs> awesome. There you go. <laughs> and do you think that this is funny? That they've shown like the cover and you get to see him in a suit and everything? Right. And that he gets a logo... That's a blue G on the middle of his suit. Uh, Inconspicuous people. Yeah, mm. you can't throw an R up there. That's true. <laughs> it could be anything though. That G could be anything. Or it could be for Richard. That's true. They also gave him his original Nightwing colors too. Right. Yeah, that's what I noticed most about it. And he went back to the black and blue. Somebody mentioned on the cover he looks like Tom Cruise. <sighs> Stop. And I'm serious. Somebody Stop. said that. Ridiculous. Well, yeah. well, who better to play a dick? Yay. You know what I mean? I see where you're going with that. You know what I mean? Oh, I'll take that, Cruz. Thanks. But I'll bump. He's yeah. also a Scientologist. Yeah, which one? Dick. Yeah. Grayson? No. He's going to be a agent of Spiral, the Scientologist oh, department. Man, I'm killing uh, I'm, I'm kidding, man. Yes. Yes, I was like, Ross. really? Of course not. Ross over here, yes, yes, yes. No, <laughs> Ross, no. It lies. Lies. Forrest Whitaker doesn't approve. Yeah, of course he doesn't. Typically, why I don't get my news from Curtis. All good reasons. Uh, anything else in the old news world there? I mean, that's a pretty big stepping stone of rocks. Colin Bunn's going to be writing uh, the Shadow story. That's cool. Where he meets Houdini. The Shadow and Houdini. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm a dumbass, so. <laughs> Well, the, 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 I guess the huge news that well, it seemed no. to be for everybody else was the Comixology Amazon thing. Oh, we don't care about that. Oh, well, we don't. No. Some people probably do. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a monopoly. That's, it is kind of interesting. Oh, God. Because <laughs> when I was getting the the combo pack issues right. of Justice League that came with the Comixology issue, right, right. I wasn't able to redeem. They would never let me redeem my Comixology on my Kindle. For, for DC, at least they didn't—they didn't let you buy any of the DC stuff on. You might be able to now. 
yeah. when, it, when it all goes down. And apparently the reason for that is because originally DC at least had a deal with Amazon where they were going to release all their stuff only through Amazon. Hmm. So it makes me curious how a lot of like those business deals and stuff are going to work out. It's all shady backdoor work, Ross. Yeah. Shady? Yeah, it's in the shadows. Thus shady. Or umbrella? Slim. Slim. Big tree? No. All right. Uh, was there something else? We, the, there's another a third title coming out from DC. It's supposed to be weekly. Oh, yeah, and Earth 2. Omegas? <laughs> it's not Future's End. That's the... Future's End is the other... I think it's World's End, I want to say. Oh. Which makes me wonder how long our Earth 2 is going to last. Well, as long as the uh, weekly series runs, I suppose. Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully that's not what they're trying to do. Stupid. Yeah, I agree. How many weekly series are they going to... Well, at this point, they shoveled two. The second one hasn't come out yet, so I guess we'll see. But between Marvel and their uh, sneaky 499 books and DC and their weekly books... It's, they're trying to beat everybody's heads in. And who can keep up with all that? I mean, I don't know. I, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not as bad as it sounds. I mean, most of these Marvel ones have extra pages and the bigger issues. When they come out back to back to back, it's kind of annoying. As far as the rest of it goes, I guess we'll see if the weeklies stay good. But I can't imagine when they've got series they can't keep going, uh, more than eighteen issues. How you're going to pack four issues every weekend and still keep the boat and keep it, yeah. because distributors have to buy a month, two months ahead. Well, yeah. Us so you've a, already bought eight books. Us as a store are completely bummed. As far as, like, the the industry is concerned, I guess they keep crapping out weekly books or whatever. Not that they've been bad so far. I mean, the stuff that they put out has been okay. I uh, Both the Eternal, which we'll discuss later, and Futures Inn hasn't started yet, so it's hard to say if it's going to be good. But it's one of those things, like, you're right. We're buying, four, as a store, we're buying four books a month, and we get to the third book before even number one's come out. So it's hard to gauge whether it's getting good or not. So ultimately, they just figured out a way to make the same profit on number ones all the way through number four while kicking sand in stores' faces. I think what you meant was we, we get through the third, first, the third month before the first one comes out. So, so you'll have 12 oh, right, issues yeah, to bad. get. My, yeah. my bad. Yeah, number-wise, third month, four month, 12th issue. Yeah. And then as far as, like, the... the Marvel deal with four ninety nine. There's been a lot of those, yeah, and it's it, like they're kind of almost bigger, like they're testing the waters, see if the market will bear it or however you want to word it, well, so they can switch to the let's hope instead that's of three ninety nine two ninety nine will be four ninety nine three ninety nine. They've upped the, the price case. to three ninety nine on some of the books too that were. Yeah, there's a few in the change price. Like point. Superior Foes went up. Just it, it, out of nowhere. Just for the one issue though, it went back after that. Oh, oh Superior Foes did. I think so. I I, th- I think that's one I looked up earlier today. There's one I looked no, I up think that was that's the... Guardians of the Galaxy. Shoot, I don't remember now. Yeah. Ultimately, that's all down stuff. Let's talk about something not so down. Sand in the face is still part of the store problem. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, Comixology being bought by, who is it? Amazon. Amazon. Hey, maybe they'll do the same thing they did at the Borders, and there won't be any more Comixology. Anything digital. <clears throat> You'll have to get it on Kindle or some stuff. Boom. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, from what I've heard is nothing's going to change. Yeah, I've heard that story before, though. Yeah. But so why I, buy it if nothing's going to change? They're exactly. Gonna, they're going to do something. They're just going to... I don't know. It's hard to say. Ultimately, if you're reading regular books, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
print books. Don't make that face at me. Regular print books. Regular. Out of paper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's paper. Have you ever seen paper? paper. Oh my god. Okay, that's enough water world. Not that I didn't like I liked it just fine. Okay, so uh, before we do the books, we had a couple uh, questions on this week. Uh, or, well, last week. Over the last, over the last three weeks, because we missed the, the previous week. Because of things. Anyway, so uh, question from the audience, or from our, from our listeners. This comes to us from Mr. Ghost Punch. Ghost and, uh, Punch! He had, a, he had a good question. He was wondering what we thought were the worst, or top five worst comic book movies, like worst comic book adaption movies. And he gave us his list, which I'll go through in just a second. Um, so, I think we talked about this a little earlier, and a few of us have the same books. And since there's five of us, I think we're going to go through and just each name one, maybe. Or two, I, and some of us have more than one. But a lot of them are overlap, so... Um, Curtis, top five movies, comic book adaption movies, the worst five comic book adaption movies, and go. I'll go with one, and it'll be Judge Dredd. But... Financially, yes, it was a disaster. I personally like it because I like Stallone. He, he's like my dad. Right. But it is a, a terrible book oh, or a movie. Sorry. Movie? Terrible adaptation. I, I don't like Rob Schneider either. But the Angel Clan was pretty cool. Yeah, they were all right. So weird hillbillies and sticks. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. I guess the I ultimately I like the movie also. But it's because I like Stallone too, mm-hmm. so I, I'll give you the new Urban, new Carl Urban movie. I, uh, leaps and bounds better, but it doesn't have Stallone. And it, but the new Carl one doesn't capture how the books are either, because there's a lot, there's a lot more uh, comedy, right? Which this one didn't have. Yeah, just just kind of like mental garbage. Yeah, this is this is uh, a, <laughs> like, this is this is almost like what could happen. Right. You know what I mean? Which is weird when you think about it. But and well, yeah, the whole little squadrons and whatnot. Yeah. Cursed Earth, yeah, for sure. It, yeah, it's like the living on top of Walmart thing. It's almost like science fact. Right. I guess you could say. Overpopulation is a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Mike? First one to come to mind for me was probably the first Ghost Rider movie. Uh, it just did not... What? Capture the anything that was the Ghost Rider that I remember, and, and Nick, Nicholas Cage. Did. Come on, no. He felt like he was trying a lot harder to be the Human Torch than the Ghost Rider. And he can take those. He can take that glass of jelly beans and never mind. <laughs> so sound effects not necessary, sir. Quit doing that with your hand, <laughs> man. It did, yeah, it just wasn't. I would say heads and tails above the sequel. I don't know. Which They're tried, both equally. Yeah, which tried to do the first film in in cartoon comic montage. Yeah, that was pretty terrible. Man, I'll give you like scenes in the second one. Some of it seemed a little more gritty, which makes more sense for Ghost Rider to me. And, and I, I like Christopher Lambert just fine. In like the Highlander. And like Hunted. And then after that, it's that's that's. Yeah, that's, that's about that's, it. That's it for me. Really. He did that Beowulf adaption. Yeah, well, was... we don't talk about that one either. Oh, my bad. Like it's yeah. He he's got a remarkably bad sense of taste of movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Marky Mark. Great sense of taste of movies. He almost always picks the great movie. Right. Lambert, 
he may always pick a bad movie. I don't know if he takes it himself, but he'll pick the bad script. Well, you think, we got this movie that's going to be kick-ass. Let's not give it to him. Let's give it to Marky Mark. Mm. Well, I also (laughs) think maybe he just has started to do, like, many Hollywood actors and was like, which one don't I have to try out for? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Me as Bale. Right. Right on. <laughs> Let's do that. And, 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 like I said, I don't, I don't really dislike the man, or, as far as an actor is concerned. But a majority of the roles he winds up playing lately, in the last ten years, have all been like dog parts. And like his part in Ghost Rider Two does not help. But granted, I'm glad they didn't show him to me in the trailer, because maybe I would have thought twice about seeing it. Well, I thought twice. I, I did see it, but I thought twice about seeing it before I saw it. That would have been like the third. Are you really sure you want to buy this ticket? And I'm like, why not? <laughs> and like a retard. And then I, like a, like a, like a mentally challenged? No, like a, like a person that's stupid. Special. Man, let's redact all that. Yeah. One, one more time. Like a person that's stupid. I'm not going to fix that. I don't know why I did that. Anyway, so, uh, yes, this I have foolish This person. will be all cut out on a post take. <laughs> but it's not going to be. It's... <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst part. Anyway, so um, again, I still would probably gone, but ultimately, yeah. Anytime you need a synopsis movie with an with like a flash animated version of the first movie before the movie you're about to watch, a uh, mistake. It makes it terrible. So of the two, I, I would I would definitely say that two is worse than one. Not that Nick Cage is an admirable individual as far as like I mean he's a comic fan. The dude's definitely into the whole scene. That given, didn't he name uh, his son Cal L or something? Yeah. Oh yeah. So like the guys, yeah. Wow. I think his last name is from Luke Cage. Right. Because he's actually uh, what's his real last name? Luke Coppola. Coppola. Yeah, Coppola. Or I'm sorry, not Luke. Nick Ford Coppola. (laughs) (laughs) He kept his first name. Yeah. He's part of the Coppola family. Yeah. He didn't want to bank on them, so he changed it. Which is also an awesome thing. So I mean, the dudes. You know, he's a, he's a cool guy. He liked Luke Cage, so that's Luke Cage with the tiara. Sweet Christmas. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> what in the blue hell? <laughs> uh, Ross. Yeah, once again, I don't really hate this movie, but I know a lot of people aren't big fans, and it's definitely not a very good adaption of a comic book at a point in time. Okay. That'd be Batman or Robin. Batman mm-hmm. or Robin? Yeah. I think it's probably on a lot of people's list, mm-hmm. and I think we we've discussed it amongst ourselves a lot, why it's so bad or why it's the way it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it it sticks out as as bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I'll give the same little like what I said earlier, and as far as the movies, when you consider it as like a part four of the first Batman series of movies, then of course it's terrible. But ultimately, it's not really a, it's not actually a sequel sequel. Storyline-wise, the only two that really sequel are the Tim Burtons. Both those sequel each other. Then you have the Val Kilmer Forever, which is independent, but made by Schumacher. And then that's followed by Batman and Robin. And ultimately, Schumacher was trying to make 66 Batman. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it that way, those movies aren't that bad because they really kind of fit that. That's why the color scheme is the way they are. That's why the characters act the way they act. Is that the one with the hard nipples? Yes. yes, yes. I remember that from '66. Yeah, the bat, the bat <laughs> yeah. Mostly when they were in the cold caves. <laughs> Julie Newmar. That's why Mr. Liked. Freeze was in the. Yeah, there you go. He there was. You go. That was bat chest plate armor, <laughs> and they couldn't get Clooney to say it. He kept stumbling on the line. 
Oh, I thought it was just yeah. to deflect bullets. There was there was Bing. outtakes <laughs> with the director yelling at them. All right, Clooney, it's bad chest armor. I mean, like, breast armor. And... <laughs> Damn it, Clooney! And he pop his neck and like, whoa, whatever. Nah. Three Kings, Ice Cube. Yeah. Man. Who's the star here? All right, <laughs> shut up, Joel. <laughs> men, men that stare at Joel. Well, there you go. Yeah. Stupid. That was a crazy movie. Yeah. Your turn. Okay. I'm break some clouds with my mind. That's ridiculous. Right, none of that was real. Yeah. I, I think that's probably Geiger's extra bonus. He designed the Batmobile for that one, and he may have done the Bat nipples. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's it's, it's Man, unclear exactly where they came. And from. in his drawing, there was blood dripping from him. So wouldn't surprise me. Just clean that crap up and get it out into production. Is that an alien? Sure. What the man likes. Have you seen his kitchenware? Like his, his chairs in his house? Nope. They're crazy. Keep going. I'm sorry. There's a whole. We are no, up online. We need to keep this on track. All right. All You're right. not doing your job. Okay. I'm gonna help you. Okay. Let's, <laughs> Rob, go. Um, uh, you know what, actually, I have the Fantastic Four from the 90s. The only thing that was ever good from that at all was the Doctor Doom costume. The rest of the movie is so unmedicatedly bad that Marvel has tried to destroy its existence. That's true. That's uh, true. Like, like, it doesn't get a cool quote like George Lucas with the Star Wars Christmas, where if he had the time and the money, he would just smash them all with a hammer. Hmm. But it's close. Yeah, it's, it's notoriously bad from just like folklore and whatnot. The only for a long time, the only way to get a hold of it prior to the internet being what it is now was through bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg. Yeah, it's like fourth generation type VHS bootlegs. So you had to get it from an actual pirate, right? <laughs> yes. pirate, he's got the eye and the patch and the bird and the bird's annoying. Didn't uh, Corman, Ro Roger Corman, or something do that? Or oh man, I don't even know that. It's funny, because thinking about that, there was a lot of both DC and Marvel movies and TV stuff that came out. They tried really hard to make everyone forget. Yeah, there's a fair amount of like covered-up TV series types. I mean, there's that JSA attempted a TV show. Yeah. You can find that on YouTube, folks. And one of, on I think it's on his list, is uh, Steel as a movie. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it, yeah. That was a still looking movie. Hey, something different. And there's a Supergirl movie once, too. Hey, don't yes. talk bad about Supergirl. I, I don't know about that one. I just know that it's really hard to find. It's crazy. <laughs> because the story's crazy. Yeah. It, it was supposed to save the franchise, and it is freaking nutballs. <laughs> like, freaking nutballs. Like, that's one of those ones where it's like they took the script and they just threw whatever they could into a blender. And <laughs> they mixed like, it all We're together. Gonna make whatever survives. We're going to put page one right here. Page seventy-five, right? Here's the script: Wizard of Oz, Hot Girl, and I don't know, like Hot Girl, a that's pizza show. Enough. Boom! Shove that all into the blender. Whatever it comes up with, that's what we're gonna make. <laughs> <laughs> Hot Girl was not enough. It really wasn't. It was. It was weird. I beg to differ, sir. But uh, the other one for me would have been uh, Superman: The Quest for Peace, with the odd Bizarro, like the. Oh, uh, okay. Quest for Peace. Yeah, that one was. Yeah, it comes with another dupl duplication. But it's, yeah, it's, Chris Reeve tried to do things, okay? Yeah, no, I, he's he just, always going to be my Superman, but you know what? As far as like writing things, maybe you shouldn't have done that. Probably should have had somebody take a look at the script. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Not to talk ill of the Reeves, because he's awesome in general. He's a, he's a great individual. But yeah, Quest for Peace is not very good. No. Moving along. 
Um, well, uh, you and me talked about this the other day. I, I would give you Man-Thing. Oh my god, I forgot about <laughs> Admittedly, that. Admittedly, TV movie, because it was made by Sip. Sci-fi prior syphilis? to the Sippy. Made by syphilis? Well, before <laughs> the whole weird name change. So technically it's a TV movie, so if we don't count those, then I, I guess I would give you the 1989 Captain America. That's a TV yep. movie, too. Was it a TV movie? Yes. I don't know if it was or not. I think it the was. first one was. I don't think the first one was. Even if, even if, it, even if it was... I thought it was like a series pilot or something? No, nah, it no? was a full-on movie, man. There's yeah. two of them. You had yeah. the Red Skull in that one, right? Uh, yes. Oh the second God. one did not, but both times they had a sweet van with these pterodactyls on the side of it. Heck yeah. <laughs> they weren't actually pterodactyls. <laughs> no, they weren't. Well, you can throw, the, they look like you can throw the Hulk movie in there, too. Not yeah. the newest one, you know, but I, the one from the 80s. Yeah. Now, see, I, at least one of those will always stay in my mind, and I know it's my mind's eye making it awesome, but I had Thor and Daredevil. No, I remember Thor. Yeah, yeah. That's one that I think a Baron on rewatching would probably diminish its awesomeness. But that Daredevil using his fingers to read like print, awesome. Well, with with Man Thing, you can throw in Swamp Thing. Yeah, well, because that was a Swamp terrible thing, movie. They had they had a whole TV series behind it too. That was after the fact, which was also not very good. At least he looked good. He did look good. Man Thing. Well, from what we saw, Man Thing from. Like yeah. the end of the movie is when we see him. Right. The creepy shadows. Yeah. Well, I mean, that way you don't have to make a costume. Man Thing by so far is awesome. Oh, yeah. But the movie was not. No. It was not very good. No, it was not, not very good. So I would give you that one as a, as a terrible piece. You're better off not watching it. <sighs> what anyway. Was, what was his? Um. Let's see. We'll go from top to from the first one. So the first one was Steel. Sounds so, good. Along with uh, what? Said so that sounds good. Right. Well, we start at the beginning and work your way to the end. You can go to hell, sir. <laughs> Just so, for that. Four. <laughs> Let's crap out. <laughs> He's right. Four. Howard the Duck. Oh, that's. A I enjoyed one. Howard I the Duck. Like Howard the Duck. Yeah. I do too. Actually. And I, I understand his reasoning that it doesn't match the books. No. Yeah. Style wise. It, it, Reader of the books, the books in the movie don't match. So as far as adaptation, it doesn't work. Of course, we were all kids when we watched it too. Right, I have watched it more recently than that. So have I. Wasn't there uh, wasn't there an R rating to that film for uh, cigars, booze, and uh, maybe Full Frontal? You know, I can't remember the rating to it at all. But you know, I would give it an R for its arsome. (laughs) That was bad. And you're an arse. Yeah, that's what I said. I, when I got to the point where I was going to start doing it, I didn't realize what I was doing. It's one of those things where I think it's funny, and then my mouth is not really that. There's that damn pirate again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, Rob's right, though. There is for full, for full frontal in it, which is kids. That was awesome. I think so. And now that I said that. I've got a copy of that in my booty. Mm. <laughs> also, a copy of Fantastic Four. <laughs> All right. No, it killed Rob, Bill. Okay, um, his number two would have been Jonah Hex. Which I, I will give him this. I mean, Jonah Hex, Brolin looked amazing. Yeah, he did. But as far as a movie, it has the same problem that Ghost Rider 2 had. They give you a whole synopsis of who Jonah Hex sort of is in like a flash animation at the beginning of the movie. And it's freaking terrible. Some of that, some sometimes that works. No. Yeah. No, no. Sometimes it works. No. The Repo, no. the genetic opera, they did that at the beginning. Uh, they? Dead and Breakfast, they did that at the beginning. Uh, I don't know if I've actually seen Dead and Breakfast. Well, you're missing out, sir. I've, I've never seen Repo. I've never seen either. You guys yeah. suck. I'm oh, out of here. 
<laughs> so guess what? Your opinion doesn't matter. Where our ignorance is stronger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, since we're a group, then yes. Uh, number three, Batman and Robin. So oh. also another match. Um, and then his fourth was the quest for peace as well. Oh, okay. So as far as uh, other than stumbling on top of each other, I mean, that's a pretty good list of, of crap. You could throw Daredevil on there. You know, but Daredevil... You could throw Electra on there. Electra yeah, definitely Electra. needs to be in that top five. Ooh, you Batman. can throw Catwoman, Batman Barry, 66 that. movie on there. Oh, that's no, awesome. Batman 66 has got special I think we're going to go for these ultimate top terrible movies. Catwoman. Wasn't there another Electra. Catwoman movie? No. No, it was the only one? It was Halle Berry's Catwoman. I think it's just the it's one, yeah. Terrible. Those uh, shadow movies from the 40s. They are terrible, by the way. Do we, do we count those? Or yes, those? because it was still in. Uh, yeah, okay. It's it was a, in. What are those called? Nor, nor book, noir, noir yeah. books. Yeah. So it came from. It came from print. Do people have seen those? Me. Yes. I've seen some of the old ones. <laughs> it's terrible. Damn you! Yeah, well, if you're man. saying it's terrible, and you like what was that? Man. Man board. Man board. Man board. It's got to be bad. <laughs> What did he say? Really? He said it was awesome. Yep. Which one? Manborg. Manborg. Yeah. People watch Manborg. It'll okay. change your life. We, I, other than Mike, I think we all have. There was there was the gripping conflict in there with the kid who couldn't read the macaroni and cheese box label. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. It's oh a post-apocalyptic world. He didn't okay. know how to read. And he was Australian to boot. What is he doing over there? That's an add to the ability of not knowing how to read. Yes, because there's no books. It's all destroyed. I think somehow it's supposed to make it better. It's like Logan's Run. Kind of. Nothing except like nothing like it. Except nothing like <laughs> it. <at all. laughs> it's like that movie, that show, that movie, Logan's Run, except not at all. <laughs> like Planet of the Apes? Exactly. Loads of Nazi <laughs> vampires in it. Yeah, really, you could add that third X-Men movie to that list if you wanted. It wouldn't put yeah. my feelings yeah, in it, because that was terrible. They like really it's... trashed it. Yeah. See, I like the Beast a lot. So I liked the, the, character. the third X-Men We're not talking movie. about the Beast. Ross. We are because it's part of the movie. It's yeah. part of the movie. What the, the, that's, they trashed everything. Yeah. Story, the story of story what they aside, do. The first five minutes of that movie are great. We have a danger room. The whole the signal fight. That's freaking awesome. The first five minutes are greatest part of the third movie. And after that, they're like, "Oh, danger room, stop!" And it all goes away. And you're like, "This is what I'm left with." Oh, good job, jerk. I like any movie that has Patrick Stewart in it. Okay. And and way to kill Nightcrawler off camera. That's what we like. Well, say he's dead. And the Cyclops off camera, too. Hey, well, you know, that he was not killed. He was banished to the DC Universe. <laughs> okay? Which, which he got along pretty well in. Surprisingly enough. Wait, what? He lost his girlfriend to Superman. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He was yep. the uh, he was the boyfriend for Lois Lane and Superman oh, Returns. Oh, and Superman Returns, yep. yeah. How do you not remember that? That movie's freaking terrible, too. I like oh, that movie. Uh, it's freaking terrible. No. You like it so much you can't remember it? I, don't, I wasn't paying attention to who Cyclops is. That just tells you that he wasn't paying attention in general. <laughs> wasn't there a plane in that one? There yes, was. Sweet. Yeah. Iron Man, right? We're talking about Iron Man? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Sure, why not? I mean, if you were talking about adaptation alone, right. nothing else, then you could say the Super Friends was a big pile of oh, oh, Because that, that didn't hurts. do any of those justice. That hurts deep no. down, Mike. That's, that's childhood and he lost his current hood. No, it was yeah, not a movie. Exactly. But current hood? Yes. Oh. Yep. He's rolling with the <laughs> super posse, okay? Turned all half of his characters into a joke. Especially hey, one the of time, them. Man, there, wasn't, well, there wasn't anything else to work with at the time. Uh, and actually, at the time, when I first came well, out, I read it was really good. Was what about it? Uh, way 
darker than Which what one? they portrayed him as being a little light, whatever. What, what well, about uh, Aquaman? Yeah, Aquaman gets Green the short end of the stick. Green Lantern? Uh, Green Lantern wasn't that bad. It, it doesn't make sense. You, you know, I yeah, I kind of... I'm, I'm, I'm really not a big fan of the Green Lantern movie, but it wasn't like horrible. We're talking worst of the worst. Okay? Oh, it was awesome. Mm. What's that? Oh, it was awesome. Oh, it was, was awesome. Movie. Sinestro looked great. Mm-hmm. Kilowog looked cool, too. Mm-hmm. Parallax shouldn't have been a part of it. I, no. I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of how Kilowog looked, but... Yeah, well... Whatever. Yeah. They should have never showed us Oa in the commercial, though. Yeah, that definitely made people's hopes and dreams way yeah, bigger than they I think to be. everybody was like, this will be freaking awesome. We're going to get to Oa and we'll have everybody. Tom Marie's going to be a cut-up. It's going to be great. It's like, well... <laughs> we get there and we're like, well, what? yeah, huh? there's like 25 million guys and then we don't see anybody else and Brian goes back to Earth. Well, we we also should have had a snappier um, training montage with, yeah. with 80s music. And then we would have been fine anyways because we would have been yeah. like, oh, this is the extent of Oa. It's training montage. Good, okay. Instead of him like learning his stuff really fast without the montage music, which just made us seem like, oh... Using a Green Lantern ring is pretty easy. <laughs> so what was the guy's name that asked this? Uh, this is Ghost Punch. Ghost Punch. You opened a can of worms, sir. And you got more than you bargained for. <laughs> Mr. James. <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, good, good question. But yeah, he, even even in the in the, in the email, he said that he realized it would be a uh, a mess of, of worms to start with. He prick, didn't say worms with can. Prickly. Some, yeah, I can't remember exactly how he said it. But he gave, he gave good reasons for the movies he listed, too, though. I mean, all, all the movies he listed were, he, as he, to quote him, a way to good celluloid, and it made him sad. <laughs> I can agree with. I mean, still, it was pretty it was pretty bad. But there was heart behind Steel. No. There was. No. There was Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq's like, I got a Superman tattoo. Yeah, we're going to make this movie. I'm going to write half of it and was, be a ghostwriter. Yeah, but that movie was every bit <laughs> as good as Kazam. <laughs> Kazam! <laughs> Kazam! Luckily, Kazam's not a comic book movie, otherwise it'd be next to... You know, same actor, though. Yeah. Right? yeah that's what I'm I don't think about. I've seen either of them, so... I know. <laughs> you see? Oh, man. Although, Terrible. Uh, I, I will say this in the defense of Super Friends, and maybe this will make people think differently about it. When Super Friends was coming out, they got this big contract to do it. And, of course, DC was happy, and Funimation, or not Funimation, I'm sorry, the, the company. Barbera. Yeah, it was, was like, oh, great, yeah, well, great, we're going to make this thing. And the people who put all the money together and did the contracts were like, yeah, finally we'll have a great cartoon show without any of the violence. And all the guys were like, what? How did, what? They did, huh? they did a pretty good job without... Yeah. Being able to do any of that, too. It, but that's also what kind of cheesed up a lot of the characters. Is that mm-hmm. You had to find a way to have an exciting show, and no one can throw a punch. Yeah, and like Mike was talking about Aquaman, that's what I've always said about Super Friends. He, he always wins it. That being, followed him around forever. Yeah, but all of them were that way. It wasn't just Aquaman. Yeah, but Aquaman what I, was from what I remember reading it. those old Aquaman books, that, there was some pretty dark stuff going on. Oh, yeah. You know, like when, I was, like when we started the New 52, and I was telling people Aquaman was like the first to do just about everything he was the first to get married he was the first to have a kid he was the first to have a personal member of his family killed he was the first to be completely disfigured for a very long time you know he was he was the first he was the tri-character for a lot of big stuff but he's also been canceled as much as wonder woman so that's what happens it's true (laughs) nothing gets to last forever except for batman well but we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get a 900 though. Just too bad. 
that. Well, that's just because of DC. They weren't thinking. <laughs> Screw you, DC. So, I could have just waited a little longer. And you know that fans are like, can we renumber these yet? And it's not going to happen. Nah, you I know, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think for DC we'll ever renumber. Well, they, they did it with that, with Adventure Comics. That was prior to the New 52. That's exactly what it was. Oh, because it's prior. All right. Like the comedian. Now they're going to renumber the Suicide Squad. That's true, but not the <laughs> different kind of renumbering. That's like a do-over. I, I guess technically they are taking the Marvel method now. Just start at number one and start over. That's because number one's gain new readers. Yeah, they do. Uh, this is true. Yeah, for one issue. Which is ve- it's very important for everybody to understand. Don't be afraid of the numbers. It's okay. You can yeah. get you can get into comics very easily. You don't have to have everything that's ever been written about them to get into a comic. It's it's really not that important to do so. Even if you're collecting a series and you miss one, that doesn't mean you have to stop reading the entire series because that one issue. It's okay. It really is. The comic police won't come and kill you. And you won't be that lost. When I was a kid, that was the last thing I started. I, the last thing I looked at was a number. I was looking at the cover. Oh, it looks cool. Oh, yeah, okay. it looks all yeah, as a kid, I didn't care. You'd buy number five. You'll, and you'll, I mean, eventually, I'll figure, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a, yeah. And now there's so many people that are just petrified, and then they want to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, guess I'm kind of one of those weird people. I have to get it from number one. You're not weird. Every single one of you is the same. Just, just get in. Just get in and get involved. It's true. He's right. Of course, now it's a little. I mean, it's not like they're going for a long run. Well, so they might get in at issue twelve when it ends at sixteen, yeah. and then they start over the new number one, and it's well, kind of confusing. I can I see think, that, but I think they're try. I, I think they really would rather just continue the numbers, but you know, they're number one sell, like you said. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, well, that's also a downer. You guys all kill everything. Let's beat a dead horse. We're, yeah. we're mm. all special snowflakes. <laughs> all of us. Some of us are a little irregular. Shape-wise. <laughs> yeah, we get it. Special snowflakes. Funny. Okay, let's do some Iron Fist. I'm the yellow one. <laughs> <laughs> and he does have yellow mask and fist. <laughs> and there's snow in this issue. Good Fun segue. Pollution. Yeah. Don't eat yellow snow. Oh. <laughs> no, you don't. Nope. Yeah. That's a song. Don't eat style. Open Gundam style. No. Don't eat the yellow snow. Yes. Frank Zappa. Yeah, it just goes downhill from there. Right. <laughs> yeah. It really does. Not lemon, no matter what they tell you. Snow cone. Dog do snow cone. So basically. Meanwhile, in during Iron Fist number one. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we we uh it's kinda of hard to describe how, how they do this. They they open up with him who's basically matters. Oh the, who's working on the book. Yeah. Uh, Kara Andrews. Who's doing writing both, and right? Drawing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's Kara. K A R E. Kara K A A R E. A A Andrews. Yep. Two A's. <laughs> Two A's. <laughs> Just in case. Yep. <laughs> The third A is honorary. Where the hell's he from? <laughs> a. Potsy. Anyways, yeah, writing writing and doing the artwork. Um, I guess what, what I was trying to mean by that was that they decide to use an effect on most of the pages where it looks like they've been folded. So there's like a perforation of the pages as if they've been folded into little squares and then filled it out for you for you to read. Like old school movie posters. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. Like a really old movie poster that was unfolded. 
And it looks like they're they primarily want to use that to tell the past, but like the first page is in our current time and it's still done that way. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, he's basically being asked questions by somebody. And he's very darkly lit. Like we don't even see his eyes for the beginning of it. That, and that goes through the whole book too. Yeah. And a lot of this is being told uh, through his his mindset. So we're getting what he's saying and what he's thinking. And a lot of what he's thinking is in a very bleak kind of scenario. And he's kind of musing about how he's never really been asked about his past. And now that he's being asked about it, like, it's the first time in a while that he's thought about it. And, like, as he's describing it, it's kind of darker than I think we remembered. And we're kind of going over... Um, his his father's obsession with finding Kunlun and the kind of fateful trip up into the Andes with his business partner and his wife and of course Danny Rand and his uh, father's business partner yeah yeah and uh, we're kind of seeing like the harsh conditions of it and the father is so dead set on like that we're close to Kunlun that he's already sent back the the guides and the Sherpas so they would have enough food to make it in and out. And uh, evidently the the mother is kind of like pleading, even with the business partner, to like try to get the father to turn back. But he's just determined that he's, you know, he's in the right, and this is where it's going to be, and we're going to find Kunlun. And finally the business partner is like, well, you're completely wrong, you're just going to kill us out here, and he like fires a flare, which triggers an avalanche. And even as the avalanche is coming down... The business partner is like, "Oh, you killed us for this mad quest to find Kudlun." Like, like it's not his fault at all. And we see the mom kind of like scoop up young Danny, and like try to pull him away from uh, this avalanche, which they actually give you some pretty good survival stuff in an avalanche. Yeah, everything his dad yelling right at him is like it's not like it was his mother and to run sideways rather than down the hill, and if you swept up into it, swim like all that's like pretty legit type things to do if you're caught in an avalanche case in point I guess because mm -hmm. they're in an avalanche mm -hmm. but um we kind of pull back into the present and we find out that he's being talked to by this um kind of attractive lady reporter I guess and I kind of get that she's like college student reporter and of course she's she didn't come off to me like the brightest of, of what do you say reporters she just seems a little ditzy. And I think half of that's because she's like, ooh, Danny Rand is really rich, and he's and he's a pretty guy. And most people know that Danny is Iron Fist. I don't think he would appreciate being called pretty. He's a pretty boy. Oh, he is. He's a playboy. Yeah. yeah. He's a handsome man. I don't appreciate your tone, sir. Anyhow. <laughs> he's a handsome man with an iron fist. <laughs> no one understands him but his partner, Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas. Can you dig it? <laughs> I think that was like a pitch for an entire I, show. I'm surprised that it doesn't have more 70s. It's because Luke Cage isn't there to drag the 70s into it, man. Mm. <laughs> Iron Fist's been around a long, long time, though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The big thing that comes across is just like how down Danny seems to be. Like, even, even the... The, the seems that he's, like, going to take this lady away and, like, 
have sex with her. Like, doesn't even seem to be, like, really that motivating to him. And he's, like, trying to justify that it's okay to do that. Because it just doesn't seem to really care that So he's much. more like a normal human being. Yeah, well, compared yeah, to where he, coming. where you've seen him recently yeah. in other books, he's like. Well, yeah, he, he, where where he's at now, he, he, the way it sounds to me at least, I picking up how bland he feels everything around him is. No matter how awesome it's supposed to be, it's not to him because it's just bland. Yeah. And like this whole, the only reason he's put him with a reporter at all is because the questions that he's been asked are something he's never really been talked to about before, I guess. And I mean, I, I read a whole lot of. Iron Fist back in the day, so I don't know how much origin story gets done for him. I mean, the story's been around for a minute, I guess. Yeah, his origin story's pretty pretty ugly. Right. Well, yeah, it's definitely dark. Like the way this whole book starts at the beginning is very much that. I mean, it's, I mean his original origin story, from what I understand, is way worse than that. I mean, it's along the same lines, right. but some of the things that happen are different. But there, it's, it's pretty messed yeah, up. Rob was telling me that too, and I think that maybe that's because we're seeing it from a kid's point of view in his memory mm-hmm. versus what the way it was really supposed to happen in the original books. So I don't. I guess that might be something that comes clearer as things go along, uh, maybe. But yeah, as far as the story is concerned, it, for the most part, it's right. Like, his mundane day-to-day life, everything for him is very dry and bland. He's got the same effect through the next, like, four or five panels. He's brushing his teeth, and he's got this blah face. He's in bed with this chick, and he's got his blah face. And he's back to brushing his freaking teeth again. And it's like, nothing's changed for him. Which is, I, I don't know, I thought it was pretty awesome, but... That's just, I, I guess, maybe... I'm just like, dude, it, it, it's, hard to be a, it's hard to be a pimp in the streets. <sighs> Sorry. Go, go on. We're learning that he's not sleeping, evidently. Right. And nothing seems to change for him on that. Uh, we're also catching up with this after the events of Infinity. Yeah. And so we can see the Rand building from his apartment. It's all torn up. And he's talking about, like, he thought about tearing it down, but it's, like, structurally sound, so they may just repair it. But he talks about it, and he analogizes it to his father's corpse, staring there, looking at him. And there's actually a point in the story where um, the reporter asks him about kind of what happened, because his parents never returned from their trip to Kogun. And he doesn't return for almost 15 to 20 years. When he comes back, the business partner has taken over Rand Corporation, and has kept it as Rand Corporation, but it's his company. And when Danny steps in, almost immediately that guy died under mysterious circumstances, and then Danny took over. And she's like, oh, it's almost like as if you came back and you killed him. And he goes, yeah, I did. Metaphorically, you mean, of course, (laughs) you know, like, I think he actually did, because the partner was pretty dirty, too. So, like, he's not really lying about anything, but he doesn't seem to have... I don't know, much gusto to it. But uh, we go back, and and we're kind of seeing, like, I think he's afraid that he's falling into his father's footsteps, like, that he's some kind of madman, just a man that's already dead inside of a corpse's body. And that's what he thought of his father, I guess, in these last few moments, you know, after the avalanche, as he's, like, hanging off the side of a cliff. And, like, they're pleading with him to swing over to them, and he's like, I gotta climb up the rope, I gotta get to Shenglong, I gotta get to Shenglong. So, yeah, it's kind of a really bleak kind of situation, and he talks about how he sees, like, a dead man's eyes when he looks at him. And then he kind of muses even later about how he and his mom got on and how the mom used to tell him that he had his father's eyes. 
And he's like, oh, so she loved me for having a madman's eyes. And it's like, I don't know. Anyhow, getting back to where he is now, where he can't sleep with his reporter, well, freshly banged out in the bed. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> he decides he's got to do some kung fu to like, relax himself or something. And so we got some cool pages of him doing some kung fu. And then she sees him and she's like, ooh, can't sleep? Well, maybe you have some knees that you want. And like he just smashes through the window like he's jumping to his death. And of course she freaks out like, oh my god, what's going on? In the next panel we see a couple of attack helicopters swinging by his apartment building. And underneath him he has like these tactical assault ninjas coming swinging in. And Iron Fist decides to like kind of run down the side of the next apartment building and then it's face off freaking awesome yeah face off against like a a dozen or so ninjas on ropes ninjas on ropes yes and that's where he really starts looking alive but he looks like a crazy man mm -hmm. he's like this is what i really needed and like jumps out and starts fighting in midair with all these guys shooting at him and of course he calls upon his his iron fist and actually smashes through the side of a helicopter which is awesome it's caused the other helicopter to smash into it and all the time like he's kind of doing it in the silhouette of the Rand building and he somehow manages to make his way back up to his apartment and he climbs in the window and sees that the girl that he was just with is uh, being attacked by like a cyber ninja he has this whole thing where he's talking about like how he hates cyber ninjas, and like he doesn't. Man, right? <laughs> if only it wasn't cyber ninjas. But he basically gets ready to attack him, and he realizes that his iron fist power isn't working. Like his chi won't flow to his hand, and um, he winds up getting attacked because of that. And then the guy kind of chucks the girl, but the cyber ninja the whole time is asking him like, "Where is this girl?" That he's looking for and of course Danny thinks it must be the reporter girl right but even after he throws her he's still asking for this girl and uh, it goes to attack the reporter to get rid of her and of course Danny then is like well I don't really need that power to do what needs to be done and he kind of does this like crazy crane kick thing to its head and like rips the top of its head off which is pretty awesome and of course the whole time like that he's doing this he's trying to comfort the girl but he has no idea what her name is, so he keeps calling her Barbie or Brenda or whatever, and it's like a totally different name. So, of course, she's getting madder and madder at him. In the end, he defeats the Cyber Ninja, and then he's alerted to somebody else in the room, and he starts to attack it with his, uh, this chi up. And it winds up being this, like, little, probably Chinese girl who basically, um, she was looking for the immortal weapon to give him a message that he needs to go back to Kung Loon. And as she falls over, we see that she's got like four or five arrows sticking out of her backpack, presumably out of her. And so Danny really didn't have a whole lot of time to like figure out why his chi didn't work before he realizes he has to get back to Kung Loon. And we kind of end it with um, him musing that he needs to go back home to Kukulun but the last panel is actually his father falling off into the abyss 
on his way to the Kung Loom. So, anyways. after the avalanche. Yeah. So, good times. Um, I liked it. Yeah. I, there's definitely going to be... Hopefully there's some more explanation. Because he doesn't... Definitely seems to be in a much darker place than he was when we ended the last Iron Fist series. And the last few times that we've seen him in other stories. Um, like I mentioned to the rest of, of you guys, we'd learned in the old, old series that his emotions were able to change the color of his gear. Which right. also, like, affected his chi. And, um... Somewhere in the New Avengers, he was taken off um, to go fight with Brother Voodoo. Mm -hmm. And when he went into that realm, his costume became white, and it was just white from there on out. And so he like had had this level of serenity. And so I wonder if now this is the backlash, like his his negative emotions are catching up with him. And so like if he ever puts on his Iron Fist gear, if he'll drop to black or what. I mean, just see what they do with it. I kind of, what I actually think is probably going on is that whatever's wrong at Kun Loon has been affecting him for a while, and this girl trying to get to him, this little Sherpa girl or whatever, has been trying to get to him for a while. And that's what I think. That's just me guessing. But uh, as far as like setup is concerned, I think that probably his whole flat effect in general is all because of whatever troubles happening back in Kun Loon. That's what I think it is. I mean, he, he is the, the, the longest living Iron Fist at this point. Yes. Because any of the other ones have been replaced or lost the power. The few that have survived lost the power. Yeah, most of them died at like 32 or something like that. Right. Which the previous uh, Iron Fist series, went, it went into that kind of a lot. But as far as setup, I think this whole journey home thing is, is going to explain why everything's so bland to him and why the world is either red or black and like why he's so... I don't know, uh, his flat effect on everything, I think is going to get explained because of, with that. I'm sure that's what this is going to be about. But anyway, uh, as far as book, I like that art's pretty, kind of wild, but the whole chopper fight is freaking awesome, man. Anyway, uh, Mike, score book? I liked it. Um, like you said, the art is a little crazy. Um, and I might be biased because it's an Iron Fist book, so... Right. Been waiting for something like that for quite a while. Right. That'll give it a four. Okay. Card? I think we all here like Iron Fist. And uh, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give it a couple more issues. Right. I'll give it maybe a two. It just didn't. It's one of those books where I was reading it and I forgot about it right when I read it. Didn't hook you. No, I was just, I was zoned out reading it. So that has nothing to do with the art because I don't mind the art. Right. But I just, it just didn't hook me. Right. Mr. Ross? Give it a three, probably. I, I didn't read it either, actually, but it, it sounds like it's decent. I, I'd give it a three and a half. Like, as far as books are concerned, I like, I mean, like, like you said, I think all of us like Iron Fist. But I think that what they're trying to do story-wise here, maybe it's because I didn't read the previous series, so I'm not as attached to the character. I didn't either. So, before, where I was coming from, like, every, every page of it, I'm like, this is freaking awesome. Like, why, why are people worried about this book? Because, like... I'll give you, Danny's definitely in a dark place, but, I mean, come on, that's, like, the popular thing now. Think about the Punisher. Like, he's always there. Batman. So, Batman, like, everybody I like is mad at the world. Rob? I'm going to probably give it a three and a half. I, I didn't expect it to be so bleak, so hopefully it bounces out from there, but 
I'm really excited to see where it's going because it looks like in the next couple issues we're going to be in Kung Loon and we're going to be seeing like his relationship with the Thunderer and some of those Kung Loon characters. So um, I was surprised I had some people that were like, hey, hopefully it picks up action wise, but it's like it seemed like it had plenty of action to tell you the truth. But man, well, the whole time he's talking about fighting the Cyber Ninjas, how he hates ninjas, why is it always ninjas? I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Maybe I just like that. Well, line. yeah, but you know, you got to figure he's been in a lighter place for a long time, so maybe yeah. it's time for him to be in a darker place, be ripping spines out, stuff like that. That's, I'm all for it. But I, I like Danny in that lighter place. I really do. Yeah, there there are characters that need to be in a lighter place, like Booster Gold, Iron Fist. So read Booster Gold. Though. We can't because DC sucks. Well, that's <laughs> not my problem. That's true. Booster Booster has not gotten another shot. Of course, though, Booster is always a tough sell. Like either you've finally seen through the the mist of, of Booster Gold, and you know what he's about, and you like him, or you're still stuck in like I hate Booster Gold because it's popular to hate him. Now that's a character you will never see in a dark place. Booster? Yeah. I don't know. He could be. Yeah, no, easily, he, he yeah. can't pull it off. He could easily be in a dark place. He couldn't take it seriously. It's all about the truth about him. And the truth is, he's a clown to fool you into believing he's a clown because he's not really a clown. So he hates himself. Yeah, I know. And I hate him too. Thanks that, a lot, Mike. That little robot thing he has is all right. <laughs> I am skeets, done. Skeets. Skeets. I am yeah, done. Skeets. He's either a flying football or a flat disc. I like yeah. the flat disc skeets. Yeah, it's good stuff. If you haven't checked the Booster Gold, you should. It's good. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, all right. So let's move on to what was the second book we were supposed to do? Sinestro. Bump, bump, bump. Yellow to yellow. Beware his power. Wasn't this, there a, uh, this one's good. Yeah. Being that we're talking about Green Lantern. Oh hell yeah! Was <laughs> uh, there something you want a, a little go between there, Mike? Yeah, I was going to see if you might uh, hook me up with a sketch on a blank cover and uh, come right. up with an idea that's a little sketchy for you. Right. You know if you right, could right. Uh, do it, but uh, looks sketchy. Little glance I got at, I think you'll do just fine. All right. Well. We've talked like, about this prior to a little bit. Yeah. It's been a while. It, it's, yeah, it's been a minute. I think we want to pass around the sketch for sure. So Rob can see what the plan was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't remember the kid's name. Cairo. Oh, Cairo. Yep. Like, I think that's gonna happen. Cairo that's from the old <laughs> uh, An America, I think. <laughs> Animation. <laughs> He's playing with people at home, Rob. Well, in, in the <laughs> older days, um, probably 60s or 70s, uh, there was a company called, I think it's Animerica, right? I think so, yeah. I can't remember. Is it Shane. Filmation? It might be Filmation. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It's Filmation. Is it? it was before. Okay. Yeah. So it was Filmation, and they, uh, they did a lot of things, but they got the early DC contracts. And so they got to do a lot of the early DC characters. Well, when they did Green Lantern, they decided that Green Lantern needed to have a sidekick. And so they came up with uh, the Venusian boy, Cairo. And although Green Lantern can make anything in his mind for Cairo to ride, to go up into space with him... <laughs> do you mind, Cairo did not have his own ring. No, Ky Cairo is, uh, he was an alien... Who, who worked on planes and all sorts of things for, for Green Lantern. Um, you know, he could have made him a cool space motorcycle, cool space rocket. He could have just rode in a green bubble. But no, Green Lantern said, 
see this ass? That's what you're riding. <laughs> and he would jump on him like a saddled horse and ride his back. Uh, it was No, he did not ride his back. Into space. He was sitting on his ass. <laughs> pretty close. It's butt to butt. Yes. Pretty pretty darn close. He, he was Which, flying. He was flying coach. Cairo was definitely. <laughs> <laughs> There's no mistaking that Cairo was not into hell, but man, they're the most goofy scenes. <laughs> That's gonna have to happen. <laughs> you can find these on the internet if you research Cairo. Yes. Cairo. Yeah, you can. The Venusian boy. Yeah, Green Lantern and Cairo. Yeah. yeah. Or, or you see any of the old filmation. Green Lantern yeah, stuff. When he, I was recall looking at that one of the little clips is when he takes off flying, he kind of lays. He just lays down. He doesn't want to fall off. Well, yeah, aerodynamics. I get it, but yeah. it just doesn't just doesn't look right. Nah, it is it is horrible. I don't know who came up with that idea, but it is <laughs> it is hilarious to see though. Uh, but yeah, there was another there was another. Uh, oh gosh, what is it? It's a Seanbaby.com is the one who caught, brought it to my attention. Right. And he has a ton of things just ripping on the Super Friends and this old stuff, so if you ever get a chance, he's, so he's pretty fun to do, So you agree with getting a blank cover done like that? That is pretty ridiculous, but <laughs> it is it is hilarious. <laughs> it may be on display over at Denver. <laughs> I don't see why not. The sad thing is people would probably buy it for the wrong reason. <laughs> well, so, you're gonna run across that one person, one one in a one in a thousand. Oh, I remember that. Oh my gosh, is that Cairo? <laughs> <laughs> Although surprisingly enough, uh, Ross, you brought this to my attention um, in the Batman Beyond Justice League Beyond stuff. Mm-hmm. The Green Lantern that's in that is Cairo. Yeah, the future Green so, Lantern. Oh, right, so yeah. they actually decided to use the name again to kind of redeem Cairo, the fiduciary. You can't redeem. You can't come back from that. Uh, I don't he, think so. The, 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 the Green Lantern from Batman two thousand or two, Batman Beyond is totally really pretty cool. Totally different character. So don't be confused because it, you want the one that's blue, not the one that's a Green Lantern. Yeah, looks like a Shaolin monk or some stuff. Yeah, that would be the the newer Cairo. Mm-hmm. The the we're sorry. Let's try again. <laughs> see, I th- actually, I think their goal with that is is maybe kids will see this before they go back and see the other one. Well, no, maybe what they're really thinking is, well, kids will see this and they'll start researching, and then they will find the other <laughs> one because they would have never thought of it. Are they trying to confuse the children? Because that might be what they. Um, isn't that the ultimate goal all the time? I, I anyway? guess so. That's true. My guess is that most people are not going back to check out Filmation. So this was probably somebody who remembered him from the back in the day. Right. And was like, yeah, I remember him. He was cool. And they watched the videos and went, oh my God. <laughs> that little ass right And the only reason I know about it is because of you. You well. <laughs> so technically, the only reason that, that cover would exist is you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pretty astounded when I saw it. So, which actually, Filmation is releasing the second half of its Filmation classics here soon. Oh, that's pretty classic. So, there'll be probably some more Green Lantern and Cairo stuff that I've never seen that'll be out in that batch. So you saying keep your eyes open for some ass riding? I mean, <laughs> for Green, it's let's move on to Sinestro. Number one, Sinestro, number one. <laughs> That's a terrible segue. <laughs> Colin Bunn, right? Yes. Yeah. Colin Bunn and Dave Eaglesham. Bum, bum, bum. 
Englisham. I think that's his name. Is that? I don't. Yes, sir. Dale Englisham. I was just gonna, I was gonna make fun of his name, but I shouldn't. Yeah. No. Let's move on. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> the whole Cairo business got you all tied Maybe. up in a knot, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe. It is. It is pretty hilarious. But um, no, right, book looks, yes, looks fantastic. Um, we actually open up to kind of this deserted temple on a kind of a jungly planet. So it looks fantastic. And most of the story is actually being told from Sinestro's point of view, which is actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, we must be catching up with Sinestro after the events of Forever Evil, because he's already relinquished Parallax. Right. And he's basically talking about these monks and how they found solace through worship. And how they couldn't, they didn't feel fear because their belief was so strong. And how before at this point he would have taught them how wrong that was. How, how you know, your faith couldn't possibly be as strong as the fear that I can instill. But I got pretty, pretty early from what he was saying, it seems like he doesn't feel fear anymore. That's, yeah, that's what I was getting from it, too. So he, he feels like he's been betrayed by both um, corpse. And that, at this point, there's no reason to fight, so his willpower doesn't matter. And he doesn't feel fear, so why be a part of any of it? And um, in his own way, he feels like he's the teacher to these wild cats. And so he's having this whole like kind of inner monologue discussion, and we kind of pull back to find the bones and remains of what I assume is the, is the monks, who's prayer didn't defend them from the predators of this planet. But sneaking up behind him winds up being this really kind of crazy like It's like 12, a white tiger with multiple eyes, yeah, like, multiple arms. Like 12 arms? Yeah, that thing was bad ass. When and I then, saw that picture the first time I thought he was like keeping it. Like it was like a pet. Yeah, I could see that too. But yeah, it's evidently predator uh, trying to be you know, trying to stalk him. And we see that he's got the Sinestro Corp ring, but he's wearing very simple, like, robes and, like, these bandages. Like a his body. A little bit. Kind of. It reminded me of Dalzim from Street Fighter. I was thinking Lulu from that one movie with Corbin Dallas. The Fifth Element? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was kind thinking. Of. Not nearly as sexy, but all right. What the? Yeah. That's understandable, because it's, it's Sinestro. Wearing guy clothes. Anyhow, so the creature rears up to attack Sinestro. And Sinestro, like, what I was, from, from his monologue, he almost sounded like he was giving up. And then we see him, like, kind of react with, like, lightning reflexes where he jumps out of its grasp and flips around and, like, puts it in a chokehold. And is, like, choking down this, you know, 12 legged giant white tiger. Right. And as he's uh, about to roll it onto its side, another comes jumping out and starts to attack him. And we uh, we kind of learn from um, Sinestro's monologue that evidently they're learning from him. And once they succeed in what he's teaching them, then he'll be the one who dies. Right, like he's basically training them so that they, he can give up and they can eat him. Mm-hmm. But uh, they evidently sacrificed that one because they thought it was the weaker of the prey, yeah, so they could catch. Set them up. That, that, that's what. They, that's what he was training them, I guess. Yeah, was well, so they could catch him unprepared. 
And so from there he goes and he fights uh, the second one. That's like uh, kind of getting the advantage over him. And from there, like this dark cloud kind of pours into the uh, to the temple room, and we see kind of like crazy yellow lights kind of shooting out of the uh, the cloud and tearing into the tiger. And um, from there, they like reveal inside of the clouds like these filed down sharp teeth. And the cloud kind of starts talking to him. And she mentions, like, oh, I finally found you, the one true Sinestro. And as the kind of smoke peers away, we see it's Ulysses Drac. He used to be the keeper of the book of Sinestro. Alyssa. Alyssa. Yeah, the crazy all-black all lady used to run the Sinestro book that basically hunted him down to kill him. But yeah, the last time that we encountered him, Sinestro was still a Green Lantern. Right. And he and she fought pretty drastically. Right. I want to say he destroyed the Sinestro Corps book. He did. He killed Because the he was, yeah, because he was like, I'm done with that. That's my, my life with there is over. And of course now, he's in between. But she starts talking to him about wanting to bring him back into the fold and him to be a part of the Sinestro Corp again, being the only true part of the Sinestro Corp. And of course he's like, why would I believe what you have to say? Last time I met you, you wanted to kill me. And she kind of still tries to sway his attention, and he's kind of like, whatever, I'd just rather stay and die on this planet fighting tigers. And she explains what's gone on with the corpse since he left, which is that Arkilo has had not only his ring reforged by the weaponers, but has made at least a handful of other Sinestro Corp rings. And he's just handing them out. And he's sending them out to anybody he thinks will follow him. Which I don't agree with, but... Yeah. We'll talk about that later. And Arkilo is trying to kind of forge them together by giving the common enemy of attacking the Green Lanterns. But even under that pretense, there's still new Sinestro Corps members that are possibly going to um, turn against him. Revolt. Uh, and so she's trying to, like, make him realize that he's needed to keep the Sinestro Corp together. He's needed to keep the universe together. Because, of course, she wants to play towards his vanity. And he's pretty much like, I'm done with that. You know, as a Green Lantern, I made my people afraid of me. And I made it so I couldn't have a relationship with my wife. And as a Yellow Lantern, I made it so I could never have a relationship with my daughter. Like, everything that was important to me is gone. And even at the height of my power, I couldn't keep my world or my people safe. As we kind of see again the destruction of his home planet. Yeah, Kruger got blown, blown up. At this point, you believe everybody's dead. Did you mention that Arkillo, she mentioned that Arkillo was uh, trying to wage a war against Green Lanterns? Yes. Okay. Hmm? I don't know where I went. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. She brings in another kind of new story element, and it'll be interesting to see where this is going to go, which is evidently a whole grip of things that are feeding off of no emotions. They're trying to remove emotions from the universe, and they're like their own little group of, of people what does she call them the tide of universal nothingness it's kind of crazy that whole thing is a little weird but it, I don't know it kind of made me think of Black Lanterns. Mm, that's what I was thinking it reminded me of the Black Lanterns yeah a religion of anti-emotions grows by the shepherds so evidently the shepherds are going to be these people that are 
ushering in a blankness of emotion. And she believes that Sinestro Corp is needed to kind of face off against this. And of course he's like, whatever, fighting tigers. That's what I do now. <laughs> I fight tigers until I'm dead. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter anyways that you would know this stuff because uh, the book's gone. And he's like, I don't believe that you can see the future anyways. And she's like, well, you know, the book has many things written in it. And he's like, well, the book's destroyed. And then she reveals that she's become one with the book. And so we see actually the writing appear on her skin. And at first, Sinestro's like, you're just crazy. Like, you just mutilated yourself to try to show me this. Because he thinks it's just a, a ruse that she's come up with to try to further ensnare him to come back. But um, evidently in the pages, she's found that there's hope for his people. That not all of his people were on the planet. Some of them left uh, in fear of him, basically, but found that his... You know, I, I like how she explained it. The shadow of Sinestro was inescapable. <laughs> so they were still like looked at as if they were a part of Sinestro, even though they were, you know, Separate far away from his people, yeah. yeah. And this actually rekindles the ideal of fear in him. Because if his people can exist, they have a future, and that future isn't being safeguarded by him. And that's enough of a fear to actually like allow him to reactivate his ring. And he's like looking at his ring and he's only got like two percent power and he's like That's not enough. This isn't enough to do what I need to do. So I was just going to say, between uh, Lissa, Jack, uh -huh. and Sinestro, this is the first time I've ever seen Sinestro in a comic and thought of him as being something scary at all whatsoever. Hmm. Like, he's never really come across that way. I knew it was his power and stuff, but, like, the scene and then the next scene where... He's pretty... He's charged uh, by her? Yeah. Yeah. It, and when he's done well, he's very dangerous. Um... They did a really good job over the last few years of building up this kind of sympathy for the devil for mm -hmm. him. But yeah, he was pretty darn ruthless. Especially yeah. during the Sinestro Corps War. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's the thing is he's always seemed like powerful to me. He's just never seemed like he's actually running off of fear very much. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, now we see. That changed for me, yeah. Let's... But uh, we find out... Now, th those of us who are playing at home, unless I've missed something, which... I have a few issues that I haven't gotten to read. The power battery is still dormant on, I guess, what remains of Oa. So it's probably floating around in a chunk of rock in space somewhere. I think they re they remade it on Mogo. Yeah, but I don't think they brought Sinestro's lantern with them. The power battery for the right. Yellow Corp. So as far as I know, it's still floating around in space. So there shouldn't have been much of a way to recharge your ring. But Ulysses... Lissa? Lissa. Ulyssa. Like... I have to wonder where this fits in, in, in to where we're um, between this and Forever Evil. We're pretty sure this is after Forever Evil. Yeah, he's been giving be. up on everything. Oh. It's got to be after Forever Evil because he's let Parallax go. Right. Because he had he still had Parallax. You still had him as part of him when he was in uh, Forever Evil. Evil. Well, he wasn't exactly a nice guy then. Either. No. Well, no. Parallax made him even more ruthless. But yeah, I mean, I think when Alyssa bonded with the book, as it were. Because the words aren't just carved into her, they're like moving on her body. Yeah. So she's like the living embodiment of the book. Mm -hmm. So I have to assume that somehow that's what allows her to recharge him, because he ba she basically charges his ring from herself. I think and she said like words 
from paper, yeah, from my skin, power to you, or something like that. Something like that. She had some chance. She said yeah. that would be very distracting. But it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. But yeah, as far as like that goes, I mean, I think that she, at this point she has the ability to charge him. I don't really know where the battery is at this point for the Sinestro Core. Mm-hmm. I have to assume that it's somewhere where Kilo has access to it, but it's hard to say. Oh, he's been making new rings. Yeah, well, yeah, he's had the weaponers forging them, so they're not actually coming from the lantern. Mm-hmm. So that's different. But yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure where it is. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she she winds up powering the ring, and he she she further sells that they're intertwined, their path has to be together somehow. And of course, then Sinestro is like, mm, "Show me where they are." And so we wind up finding this like little crazy space station. And it seems to be just floating out in the sea of stars. But they're genesing out um, what looks like caskets. Like like life pods with people in them. Yeah. And Sinestro comes upon them and like investigates them and realizes that these aren't his people. But, uh... Well, he finds they're not all his people. Yeah. Like, some of them are, 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 are Krugans, and the others are just other alien life forms. So whoever's doing it is inside, and so, yeah, he basically decides to break in. That's pretty much what I got from what was happening. And basically, you know, Sinestro's like, well, why are they shooting these people out like garbage? And she, Drek basically tells him, like, that they're they're firing them out, almost like missionaries into this, this void, because of something else that they're more afraid of. And, like, Sinestro kind of looks back and is like, yeah, I'll give them something to be afraid of. He smashes into the space station, and he starts tearing the, the station up, and is like demanding where they're at. And he grabs one of the guys who's in kind of a spacesuit while Ulysses back here like snapping people's necks and just killing them at random. And uh, he starts demanding that this guy tells him where the uh, Krogan uh, people are. And the guy at first like is freaking out, and he's like, "Oh, I thought we sent you enough tributes. You know, I, th- I thought we did enough to s- to sate your hunger." And, uh, you know, Sinestro gets the idea that he must be thinking he's somebody else. And, um, I, I, they don't really say it, but I'm pretty sure what, what these guys were doing is they're feeding the shepherds. That they were sending these people as sacrifices to the people that eat emotions. Maybe. I, I don't, they don't, I don't think they really named it, did they? No, they don't, I but I think don't. that's what, I think that's what they're doing. Hmm, Maybe. Either way, whatever they're sending you to is supposed to be more scary than Sinestro. Yeah. You mean, you're not collecting us for the paling? What he calls it. And of course, Sinestro's like, just whatever, throws him out of the space airlock to die. Well, the dude looks totally relieved when he realizes that Sinestro isn't, like, who he thought he was. Yeah. And then he, and then he checks him out the airlock. Yeah. And so he finds the people that are Gregorians, I guess. Um... And he says he's he's going to save them, but the rest of them he's just like whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not my people, so they can be dealt with however they want to deal with them. And so he just like throws them out into space too. They can wait for the Green Lanterns to come save them. Yeah, and that that's what he says when he leaves. And so then from there they take off and like find themselves so like a they they're going to the new base of the yellow lanterns. yellow lanterns, which winds up being some kind of asteroid that's just kind of floating around in space sector thirty fifty two. Um, and uh, from there, Sinestro is kind of looking around for the corpse, and the first one that he comes across is like the kind of cockroach-looking thing. And he's basically like, why are you guys all hiding? Where's your leader? 
And as he kind of calls that out, Sinestro shows up with Forrest with a bunch of his new Sinestro corps. And a couple of the old guys, like there's the jelly thing and the guy with the three heads and stuff. And the girl with the crazy light dogs. Oh, she yeah. isn't still around. She's is Crib in there? No Crib. I'm pretty sure Crib is dead. Oh, I think you're right. I think she got killed during the yeah. Blackest Night stuff. She was but, creepy. Oh, God, yeah. 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 Most of these things are kind of creepy, though. But, but Arkillo looks awesome. Yeah, he's a badass. And most scenes, and basically, like, Arkillo's like, how dare you come back here? I'm the leader now. You can't even face me to challenge me, which Sinestro won't even look at him. He just keeps staring off this other direction as Arkillo's kind of stamping around. And he's basically like, your war against the Green Lanterns isn't going to work. This is always going to fall apart in your face. And Sinestro, and then he reminds him that he's tried to challenge him before. He's trying to challenge other for rule of the Green, or the uh, Sinestro Corp before. And of course, Arkillo is like reminding him that it's not the Sinestro Corp, it's their Arkillo Corp. But he's basically like, well, you don't think I'll achieve anything. Well, I've just barely begun my war on the Green Lantern, and I already have a prisoner. And of course, we reveal that the prisoner is uh, Sornik. Sornik? Natu. His, his daughter. Mm-hmm. And he's got her like on a yellow energy torture rack. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And of course, she recognizes him and is like, Hello, father. You bastard. <laughs> and that's where is that we how she talks? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't see that's why That's just not. from the torture rack. I'm pretty sure she sounds sexier when she talks. Yeah, my guess is that she sounds better. That's not how I played out in my head. But... <laughs> Good stuff. I, I imagine the bastard a lot louder, though. She doesn't have an exclamation point, so. She's pretty yeah, I think she's, like, whispering it under. Yeah, she's breath. also beat up, man. Like, yeah. It's not like she's yelling at it, it's like she's murdering it from being tortured. I'm kind of. I'm just glad to see her, to tell you the truth, because the, the new reign of people working on Corp didn't favor her. So she's just not been around very much. She showed up in a couple panels, but that's it. Yeah. She's just like a background character. Yeah, a lot of the characters that I got really used to them using, they've been shying away from. So we yeah. haven't seen... You and know, that, that was the Tomasi run. Right. So we haven't seen the Thanagarian guys as much, and we haven't seen her as much. Uh, we still have no idea what's going on with Sodom yet. Um, we don't see the elf girl very much either, which I really liked her. Rizia? Yeah, she's one of my favorites. Or Isamot Cole's not even around. Vath Sarn's not around. Oh, I'm not sure. Is, is Badge around still? No. Badge is, no, Chip's dead. Yeah, Chip's dead. Chip's dead. Badge, Badge, is, yeah. Badge yeah. is still around. Now, Badge and Chip, like, at, at the best of times, you didn't see them, so. Well, Badge was hanging out with the, with the new dude. Yeah, with, with Badge. Baz. Yeah. yeah. The Badge Which, and Badge so show. Yeah. I, would, I would take that. I don't know I, how well it would sell, but I would take I it. I think we're probably going to see more of that once Forever Evil's over. I kind of hope so. I hope so. I also, I think the Shepherds stuff might finally shake the Green Lantern out of this funk, because, like, I, I still think the whole, ooh, you're draining the emotional spectrum stuff is all BS. I was going to mention that. They didn't even talk about that in this. No. They didn't talk about the source wall. I think that was better. Yeah. That. yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Well, Sinestro, of course, wasn't even involved in that. Right, but... Somebody on that sh- site, site, nah, somebody on that side should know yeah. what was happening. Because, I think Akilah you know, probably knows, but well, especially so. if they're going to war with them. Oh yeah. Why would they worry about conserving? No, I no, I totally yeah. understand that, but, but of course, I, I just think it's awesome it, is, it wasn't brought up because yeah. I think that's a terrible plot point. I think it was too. 
So. And I think the sooner we get past that, the better. But to do that, Kyle needs to show up and be like, Hey, George, I'm alive. I did nothing in that wall. <laughs> I'm not dead, so you don't have to worry about conserving all the gas for me. Because I'm okay. Yeah. So much wall nonsense. Yeah, Relic... I don't know what they were thinking. I, I enjoyed Relic's one-shot that they did. Yeah. But bring it... I don't know. It just didn't work for me at all. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. I, I. I really think. I really think he was full of it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he's dead. So. And we talked earlier, uh, months ago, mm. that he may have been collecting the energy. Yeah, I think he was the problem. I yeah. think he sucked up a ton of the energy, and that's why they were having all these problems. So. And it was his unnatural collection of the emotional spectrum that I think was killing the the avatars. Because mm -hmm. parallax is fine. Like at least the last time we saw it. And it was one of the very few that didn't come at all to the source wall. Right. But its battery was also not in use at the time, so guess who wasn't collecting energy from it? Oh, correct. Uh -huh. Anyhow. Curse scorebook go. Probably about a, what would you say, about three and a half. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And for the points that we just made. No source wall nonsense. Alyssa uh, right. Drax back. She was one of my favorite lanterns. So mm -hmm. probably three and a half, four. Cool. Ross, I'd give it a four. You son of a. <laughs> so it, it, it took me by surprise, and it actually reminds me a lot of uh, Jeff Johns Green Lantern, just from the Sinestro Corps side. Right. Um, I'd give it a three also. I I liked it. It, it was a cool book. Sinestro's he's always been a cool villain. He really got downplayed after they booted him out of the course back in the day when he was running around that blue and purple suit. And For a while, he was just a chump, kind of like Black Hand. And then, I don't know, Johns came along and kind of fixed that, I guess. But ultimately, like the way he is now versus then, night and day different. And this particular story is really awesome, the way he's like, I'm just done. And then what turns him back to it is like there's a few people left for him to rule. And that's like, yep, I'm going to go I'm gonna go do things. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was awesome. I liked it. Rob? I'll give it four and a half. Uh, best villains are the ones who think they're heroes, and Sinestro definitely does. And they're they're doing a good job of that because there was a long time where it was like I'm a villain because I have this mustache. That was it. <laughs> but um, I was really surprised because I didn't really expect Sinestro to really be this good of a book. And it, yeah, I was really really happy with it. So, did you, Mike? Well, like Ross said, it is a, has a uh, that feels like the older stuff. Because I'm not really digging the newer newer stuff, but Sinestro is just a cool character in general. They have three and a half. Cool. And they downplayed the size of his head too. Mm, He's no longer got a light, yeah, yeah, light bulb melon. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's artist interpretation. He didn't have that two foot forehead. No. Yeah. yeah. Like you're confusing him with the leader. No. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I know. I know the leader and the red leader. They right? <laughs> do have a similar look though. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, um, let's move on to. Um, well, since we're still talking DC, do we have another DC book? This, yeah, we have Batman. We'll go. We'll do that, Batman. Okay, so uh, we do Flash, Gordon. We can do Flash. Flash. Want, me, want me to take the lead on uh, this one? Yeah, I think this is yours. Okay. Wah, wah. All right, just so. Everybody's on board. This takes a place after King's Watch. Right. And uh, 
it'll there's parts in it that will harken back to King's Watch. What is King's Watch? King's son of a gun. <laughs> King's Watch <laughs> is awesome. King's Watch is a it was a five five issue series that had Mandrake the magician. It had Lothar. Oh no, not Lothar. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, well, Lothar was in it, but it was uh, the Phantom. Phantom. Yeah. And uh, Flash Gordon, and they, okay. and and uh, what's his name? The King of Mogo. Ming. Ming <laughs> Merciless. Yes, Ming attempted to Mogo conquer. Green Lantern Mongo? Mongo. No, Mongo. Mongo. Oh, okay. No. Mongo is the Green Lantern. Ming attempted to uh, uh, invade Earth through a portal system that he had a crystal on his side to open this portal. So at the end, they get the, the, uh, they fly through the portal and they get the crystal. Right. So that's where we're going to, and this takes place a year prior to that, so I'm guessing, or it says one year ago, so I'm guessing this takes prior to. King's Watch as well, and we're meeting our cast. I think at the very beginning it does, yeah, and then yeah. afterwards it jumps to after. Right. So anyway, we, we, we come up on a, uh, a uh, what do they call reporter lady, <laughs> and she's covering the last shuttle, and it's got a parade going, and uh, it's the last shuttle of, the last working space shuttle, and uh, they cut away, and we meet her, and she's getting berated by her boss, like, thanks for the eulogy. Uh, like no more space travel stuff like that. And yeah, I think what I got from it was that she was he he was like, oh well, if you guys gave half of this much about it when it was in mm-hmm. active duty, right? Maybe we'd still be going to space. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of she makes a good point too, which is like you know, hey, if you guys actually gave half of most of the time, right? People would be more interested in space. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and he talks about meteorites and stuff like that, and she's well, like, the atmosphere will take care of most of that. It wasn't her? I thought she mentioned that. I thought she was like, what about defending the Earth from these meteorites coming down? He's like, whoa, Earth's atmosphere takes care of most of that. And she's like, exactly, see? Mm-hmm. You're downplaying yourself. <laughs> right. And then uh, she says uh, mankind will get some more space if, they ever, if it ever makes a scientist that can deal with people. So then we cut to the next page, which has Zarkov, and he's doing a little drinking game in this bar. And evidently he has already, it appears that he's lost the blueprints to his space plane through this drinking game. And everybody's like, you're going to poison yourself, you're going to pass out. And he's going after a crystal, which uh, is the power for that, that space plane. Right. So he's drinking, he's drinking, and uh, he's handing shots to everybody, and they're calling him a bartender. And we know Zarkov is the scientist that makes Flash's space plan. Right. He's from the from the previous series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's like, don't worry, I'll be fine. Because we know that Zarkov likes to drink. Right. So we flash a panel, he's drinking, and then we flash again, and everybody's passed out on the floor. Right. So I don't know if he spiked drinks or he just outdrank everybody in the bar. It's hard to say. But he gets the crystal and he gets his blueprints back. Right. So then we flash... <laughs> we flash. We flash over to Flash, and he's bungee jumping off a bridge. Right. And below him, they have some rafters down that bridge. Right. And he's he's making a big play of it. He's waving to the rafters. People are like, oh, how do, I'm surprised he didn't smash into the rocks and blah, blah, blah. And he's coming up. They're like, how is he going to get back to land? And he's got a quick release on his harness. Pulls that quick release, does a somersault, and splashes into the water. They're like, hey, throw him, a, throw him a rope so he can get back over. He doesn't even need help from the rope. Right. They have cameras and stuff out. They're like, yeah, bro, awesome. 
So he's walking over. And, uh, we might need to copyright that yeah. for our new action series. So he's walking over, and uh, some lady walks up, and she says, I was sent by your father. And she walks up and just smacks him across the face. Awesome. So then she holds up her uh, her speakerphone, and Dad's berating him, saying, I thought you were done with this. Uh, why don't you go get a real job? Do something with your life, Alex. Which is weird, because I never knew his name was Alex. Yeah, I, I actually said the same thing. So it was, it was weird for me, but... And then, after that, we flash back to today. And we have Flash flying his space plane with Zarkov riding next to him and Dale, Dale riding bitch. Oh, cool. <laughs> so they're flying through this, uh, I don't, it's, a, it's another planet. I'm guessing yeah. they got through a portal. It, it sounds like they're on Mongo right at now. first, yeah. Right, but I don't know if this is Mongo. I really don't, unless it's a different part of Mongo. Yeah, it's hard to say. Mongo's huge. But, but there's a there's a big damn space lizard under him, and they're getting uh, shot at by Mongo's people. Right. So they're flying around, and, and, and uh, they're like, are you going to try to lose them in those clouds? And Flash is like, well, they have sensory stuff. They might be able to see us anyway. So he, f he comes in the clouds. Planes go after him. He comes right back out the clouds, confuses everybody. Right. Pulls around. Yeah. And... Uh, they're like, now the chase ends because they think they got them. But we see a ton of portals open. Right. There's like 12 portals. And uh, they're like, are you, are, uh, and they've only got power enough to go through the last jump. Right. Whatever the last jump is, is all they have fuel for. Right. So, and he's like, we'll go anywhere on Mongo. So this may be on Mongo, a different part of Mongo, I'm not certain. Hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling that the planet they're on with the giant dragon is a different place. Mm -hmm. They're going back to Mongo. Right, so these the guys that are shooting at him know where he's going somehow. I don't. They may have maps for portals and Maybe. stuff like that, yeah. but Flash has no idea. So they're like, "Oh, he's going to Phrygia," which yeah. is we know is like the Hoth of Mongo. Right. Mm. So, and then we see them going through the portal, and it's kind of a distorted look to them, and and right. they're colorless, and and their words are being distorted and. And of course, you know, he's like, oh, well, maybe we'll come through to a nicer place. Maybe like a, a nice tropical site. area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which they don't, and they go through Phrygia. Yeah. So, uh, and they're called the Mongo Aragard. And there's why I was looking for Bantha at the beginning, because it looks like they're riding white Banthas in Phrygia. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. That's how they do look like Banthas. Yeah. So, and then they agree that it's not a good place to hide. Right. And yeah. the, I believe this is where they say we got one more jump. Right. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's after the first jump when they went to the uh, the ice world. Yeah, and they're 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 running on fumes. So they jump through another portal, and it's to like a water planet. Yeah. And then they got like Cthulhu slugs or whatever <laughs> guarding this planet. Yeah, and evidently the whole planet is is water mm -hmm. at least as far as their senses could tell. So they're like, oh, we gotta risk it. Right. We'll go through another one. And uh, so. And they, you know, they start wondering like. Are each of these portals just leading to worse places? Is yeah. that could that possibly be what it is? Why would we even conquer all these planets if they just intrinsically worse and worse and worse? Mm -hmm. And then, the, and I'm thinking they they got gatekeepers or something. You right. know what I mean? So uh, they're like, oh yeah, we got one more jump. So they jump through, and uh, they, they dodge all the squid tentacle looking things. Right. And they uh, they start their jump, and uh, Zarkov's like, Gordon, I'm sorry I ever met you. So then we flash to Ming the Merciless. Right. And uh, he's talking about what happened prior. 
uh, these Earth people destroyed my plot to rule the world. Right. And uh, one of his guards beside him is like, uh, our guard is unprepared for the invaders, and that is traditionally our role, so they're usually taking out the guards. And uh, Ming's kind of a Vader-esque in this part. A little bit, yeah. Where he didn't like what the dude was saying, so he flashes a ring mm -hmm. and a death beam comes down from above and just fries the guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he didn't like death that the guy... Uh, his his answer was a little too much like an excuse. For yeah. Him. So it's just like. <laughs> so then an, another talking head pops up. He's like, Lord Gordon is not on Mongo anymore. Right. And Ming's like, Well, where is he? Right. And his Mingy voice. So then we flash to the uh, the tree planet of Arborea. Yeah. And these aren't these are like giant sequoias. You think giant sequoia? Right. But they're a thousand times bigger than oh, sequoias yeah, and then on the right side of the the splash page you see a bird of some type i'm gonna call it a hockalope yeah because he's got antlers yep and he looks so awesome. awesome and i don't know if anybody would see that but there's like there's pelicans with leaves on their back right and like yeah just the yeah it's pretty cool and so they're looking for a place to land and and uh Dell's like, well, can we land on, can we find a, a different place to land or hop through another portal so we can find a flat place to land? And and Flash is like, oh, no, don't, don't worry about it. There's a big branch that's like a runway right here. We'll, we'll, we'll take our chances there. So uh, we see crash, 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 crash. And we see uh, the space plane, like, upended into a pile of, of branches. And, and I think Flash makes the uh, thing. It's like the tethers on a ship when they catch the the speeding planes <laughs> so all the other branches okay. caught that so uh at that point they all jump out and uh of course flash is like oh this is amazing there's no force like this on earth yeah. and uh they're like how are we going to get around and flash oh. does his acrobatic stuff and jumps across branches and branches and he's like we can we can get around like this and <laughs> we look back and Dell and zarkov are still back on the other side thinking like we can't do this. What the hell? Let's, go, let's go to the ground. Yeah. So uh, Flash obviously goes back over, right. and they start walking down. And uh, Zarkov or, or Dell's like, this is a, this might be a hostile environment. Right. And uh, so they're they're talking about the beastmen being sent after him on Earth, and because that takes place in in King's Watch. King's Watch. And uh, they find this big hollowed out cave in the tree. And uh, Flash says nothing of it, so uh, maybe they can find another way through or right. or something like that. And he's flashing his flashlight. And uh, Dell asks Zarkov, you don't think we can make it back to Earth, do you? And, uh, of course, Zarkov says he could make it work, but he doesn't have, uh, I can't remember. It's It's a wormhole system that he's not familiar with. Right. So he knows. He a way to drive it. Right. He knows he can make it work, but he's not certain if he can get the right wormhole open. Right. So as they're talking, they come across uh, flashes like, "Well, this this looks like somebody may have burrowed it," and they and they run into this giant tree slug, slug thing. vole or something, yeah. eight <laughs> eyes, big mouth. I mean, this is a pretty substantial cave that they ran, yeah. went into. So yeah, and this thing's about the size of the cave. Yeah. So, He's probably about, I don't know, I don't know, 15 feet tall, maybe? Yeah. Around. So uh, Flash has this brilliant idea, like, maybe it's like Predators on Earth, where if you stand still and keep eye contact with it, it'll, it'll stay and not attack. And 
Zarkov turns around like everyone for themselves and starts running. It's a, it's a good good. Uh, I, I like how it's written because that's how Zarkov is. He's a, he's a drunk man. Yeah. So uh, and then Dell's like, well, we have to agree on the moves if we're gonna do this as a team. And and Flash is like, well, that's a great sprint though, Doc. <laughs> so they're running away, gasping for air, trying to run away from this giant tree slug, and they're running to the end of this branch that the slug's on. And lo and behold, the slug gets attacked by a bunch of arrows. Right. So, uh, um, and this guy's name is, I believe, Lord Baron? Prince Baron. Prince Baron, yeah. And he says, take the vole back to our camp and we'll eat it as a feast. And uh, just, it, it's, it's, it's drawn really well by Doc Shaner, so it's a good, uh, it's a good large panel view. Yeah, of the, everybody in the trees. Like Robin Hood-esque rangers yeah. kind of hanging off of the top of trees. Kind of like elves. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like elves from the, in the second Lord of the Rings or the second Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah, like this, awesome looking. Treetop runners and stuff. Yeah. They're blue too, so. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Flash in his tough guy modes, like don't try anything. And then Dell's like, Flash, be quiet. And they're like, well, we found your airship. And uh, where where do you hail from? And he's like, answer. And, Fla and uh, Flash is like, uh, we're from a place called. And Dell's like, shut up, Flash. puts her hand puts her hand over his face, and she's like, Mongo, just to save his ass. Right. And, Silent uh, pilot. Yeah. I, Mistress Erdon, will speak. So she's playing the the role because she was, of course, kidnapped by Ming. by Ming mm -hmm. earlier. And uh, we are we are Ming's royal. So he didn't get a chance to tell me he was the quarterback of the New York Jets. That that's totally retconned. <laughs> that's unfortunate. So she said we were sent to uh, survey Arborea from King Ming, or Lord Ming, and their their craft has ran out of fuel. Right. And he begins to question her, and she's like, uh, he's like, I wasn't told there was going to be a survey or something like that. She cuts him off before he can answer, and she's like, the Emperor does not owe you advance notice, Baron. So uh, she's playing the real royal card right now. Right. Dell can be a royal b Yeah. But she's saving Flash's butt yeah, right he now. He pretty well sticks it out there with that. Yeah. And, and uh, we, of course, Zarkov's just in the back, cowering by the veil. Right. And uh, so, of course, the tree people... We'll take them back to the camp because they think they were sent by Lord Ming. Right. And that's where we end. Yeah. There's a crazy scene at the end of this, though, where they're swinging them off of the giant tree. Mm hmm And they're each being carried, but they're not being carried like you'd think. Yeah. There's, like, two, two of the ranger guys, and they're holding the person in between them in a seating position. Nobody's so riding? Ar no. Arden <laughs> is... Arden's writing like she's sitting Indian style with her arms folded and everything on the arms of like royalty, the Indians or of the uh, little ranger guys or whatever, and then like Flash and Charcot are like sitting like in chairs, but they're you know they're just like precariously balanced on the shoulders of these guys while they're swinging. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, pretty it's stable. An, it's an interesting look. It's it's, sure. it's kind of they're being carried like royalty is what's yeah. happening. Yeah, it's, and it. And it, honestly, that's a it's a quick read. Yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Now, wasn't Baron in the original Flash Gordon? Seventy nine. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah, isn't he like the Robin Hood guy with the bald he's, head? Yeah. Oh yeah, so he's, he's in there. He's just not blue. No. Now, 
you you were talking about this earlier where uh, King's Watch was kind of a reboot for uh, Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. Do they do they go over the original Flash Gordon adventure? No, because this is like after this is after Mongo, the original Flash Gordon situation. This is after. Uh, King's, King's Watch, Watch yeah. yeah, which but is I mean, also after the original Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is a total. Yeah. King's Watch was a total reboot for the Flash Gordon franchise. So, I guess in the the telling that they haven't really done completely yet, like we didn't encounter Prince Brett or Brian before. Not in Baron, I no. Guess. Okay. No, this that that King's Watch was the first between Ming and Flash too. Oh, okay. So that was the actual first meeting between the two. I get you. All right. So Ming's not totally set on who this Flash Gordon guy is. Yeah. All he knows is he's thwarted his... His, his attempt on Earth yeah. before. Okay. And another little spoiler. Mm. If you guys haven't read King's Watch, you can ho- close your ears. But the Phantom actually dies in King's Watch. <gasps> and Lothar takes over the Phantom's mantle. Billy Zane's oh, gone. Interesting. Billy Zane's gone. I was going to say, Sad the ghost day. that wants can't, can't die. It, but we find out in, in that that it's different people carrying the mantle of it. Yes. So Lothar just says that he's going to take the mantle until he can find blood I see. in that line. So, but I think it's awesome that Lothar is going to be doing that. That's that's kind of too bad. I actually really liked the Phantom in that story, but both codename action and that the Phantom is seriously a badass. Yeah. So if you're tired of the Phantom sucking. <laughs> Right. Those two stories are great ones to go to. But this one, Doc Shaner's doing the art, and he's got very... It's very... His art's very active. Right. Mm. He, they got, he's got good eyes. He draws good eyes. Right. And that's where a lot of artists fail at that point. But it's not overly detailed. It's just it's just good flat... And the color palette's good. Right. So And the redesign on Flash I like a lot. That's pretty cool. He reminds me of uh, Han Solo. Yeah, that's uh, so. kind of a lot of... So the Phantom... Billy Zane gone. That explains a lot. That's that's why he shows up in Demon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good movie. That's a dang good movie. Anyway. So score book, Roscoe. Great book. Sounds awesome. We'll give it a four. That's my man right there. <laughs> right. I'll give him three and a half. It was good. I, I, I don't know. I, I like... This reboot for Flash, I like. I like the previous one that was being done by the other, the other company, more cartoony one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. For Book-wise... The whole idea of King's Watch coming back is pretty cool. Rob? Uh, I'd definitely give it a three. I enjoyed the book. I, I hadn't realized it was so closely connected to King's Watch. I just assumed that they would be telling us more about where it came from. Mm-hmm. And I haven't finished King's Watch yet, so there were certain things I was like, what is going on? Right. <laughs> but it all makes sense once you connect the two. So, Mr. Mike? Well, I have not finished King's Watch quite yet either, so I was a little lost. So, but yeah, the art's good. The story's pretty cool. I'll give it a one point. I got a three point five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see that look? <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was, I, I was gonna add over, to it. Miss <laughs> Curtis. Well, you guys know I'm a sci-fi kind of junkie right. and fantasy guy, and uh, having finished King's Watch, I kind of understood what was going on. Right. So I'm gonna give it like a four point five. It's really. It's to me, it's that good, and it's nice. written by Jeff Parker. Yeah, and Jeff Parker's pretty good. And that guy can, yeah, that guy can do a, a good yarn. I don't necessarily know if you would. I don't think you would have had to write Team's Watch beforehand. No, but you I wouldn't mean, know where it, the portals were coming. It, it helped with the portal thing, 
But other than that, I mean, I don't know. I think you'd be okay without it. But oh, I agree. I don't. Yeah, so I don't think necessarily think you have to read the first batch or read the King's Watch to be okay with this book. But yeah, the, understanding the portals is easier with the other book. And now that you understand them on here, you can pick up Flash yeah. Gordon. There you go. Right. The only reason they got a ding for me, four being three point five, is because they didn't. They should have kept the New York Jets. <laughs> uh, yeah. That'd be nice. And I'm not gonna lie, I re- thoroughly enjoy that movie. I do. It's just yeah, the hawk guy, the hawk people, all that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, when Flash was around, he wasn't from the New York Jets either. Back in the 30s. The movie's what matters. <laughs> you layman types. <laughs> but the movie is a direct from the Buster Krabby serials. It's like a direct interpretation of it. So. And he could throw a mean gold egg or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was impressive. Good stuff. Hopefully, we'll get a good, like, gold faced Sinestro guy. Yeah. In here. Oh, my cool. gosh. Because yeah. he was, like, my favorite character in the movie. And they can ride on their little creepy. sky cycles. Yeah, that's fine with me. I think that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. And maybe they'll have one of those uh, stump monsters, too. <laughs> yeah. I hate you. I don't know about the stump monster. All right. Moving on. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, way to ruin it forever. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Good book. Want to do some uh, Incredible Hulk? It's just Hulk. You shut your mouth. It's Hulk. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what's going on. Tourette's. Over here. <laughs> He's fighting himself. Exercise those demons. <laughs> <laughs> Chanting hands is what I'm doing there. Okay, so anyway, Hulk number one. Okay. This does immediately follow as far as series is concerned. The Indestructible Hulk. Yes. So, as far as books are concerned, where this picks up is directly off the end of that series. So, he doesn't have metal pants? No, he's still probably going to have his metal pants. So At this point, we, no. We will see. He's got them on the cover. It's possible that he has them later. But uh, when we ended the last series, there was a good deal of time travel nonsense uh, where Hulk was fixing time with his fists. <laughs> it's a lot harder to do than you think. And um, the people that were, that were attacking him uh, eventually realized that they needed to try to rework some of his past so that the Hulk would be vulnerable. And Banner couldn't quite figure out where... He couldn't quite figure out where his past had been changed, but he knew it had happened. In the very last pages of the previous story, we hear bang, bang, and like see the blood coming out of the back of Banner's head, and him go down and not Hulk out. And then, then boom, yeah, now here we are at Hulk. Hmm. And who shot the Hulk? Um, you shot Mr. Burns? Sure. That's a different thing, but it's kind yeah. of the same idea. Uh, what we open up to is uh, two kind of shady-looking uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents recruiting a doctor, which we found out pretty quickly is, like, uh, he's one of the lead... Brain surgeons? Like, neuro... The brain? The neurosurgeons, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have him washing up, and... Uh, Basically, he's like, I can't be pulled away from my patients. These people could die. And they're like, well, this is a more important issue. This is, like, nationally important. And, like, um, he's getting his scrubs on. And he's like, you know, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to work on this guy without having any idea who he is. And he's like, well, you'll know the situation pretty soon. And, like, they send him into the room. And we see a whole group of technicians working on Bruce Banner, who's got his head opened up. And, of course, the doctor, like, is freaking out because he's like, oh my god, I'm operating on the Hulk. And we kind of see some shadowy guys like watching from a, a room up top. And we wound up finding out that the neurosurgeon here actually knew Bruce Banner 
before the incident. Back in college days. And, like, uh, evidently, they pretty much hated him. Because he was, like, a nerd amongst nerds. So, like, whatever his profession was, whatever classes he took, he was making the grade point average go way up because he was so smart. So everybody kind of looked down on him a little bit for that, and he was isolated because of that. It just made him hard, hard for everybody else to keep up. Like, if there's any curve given, uh, there'd be no curve because Banner was in the class, and he was just that much smarter than everybody else. Yeah, they, so they all kind of picked on him, or, or didn't pick, I guess they, he didn't ostracize him, I guess. Yeah, they just didn't like him. Yeah. You know? And now he's kind of like, oh, you know, if I wouldn't have done this, could he be somebody else? You know, if my actions were different, would, would he have become a different man? And he goes to, to work on Banner's brain, and, uh, you know, he's kind of still looking at his life and seeing how things have changed. And so, you know, here they have their reunion, and, of course, Bruce isn't there because Bruce is working on that crazy experimental gamma bomb. And they all kind of laugh about it, like, oh, guy's crazy. He's going to blow himself up. <laughs> and then we find out, of course, that was the experiment that caused him to become the Hulk to begin with. And uh, we kind of go from there to see another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who's in complete S.H.I.E.L.D. uniform meet the two guys who brought the neurosurgeon in who were wearing S.H.I.E.L.D. tags but suits and then our shadowy guy that we didn't see and uh, we're going over basically the lady in the S.H.I.E.L.D. suits attack plan to do this to Bruce and talking about you know the training that she went through to try to fire on these two particular spots in his brain to knock out his ability to change, basically to, to damage the parts of his brain that control his rage. And the idea was to do this and keep him alive. That way they could harvest data from him, his blood, you know, the things that wouldn't work after he died. So, um, the doctor actually has a whole thing where he's like talking to the anesthesiologist and basically he's like, you gotta make sure he stays under. So like, he's really hard on her about what her job is gonna be. And we kind of have this whole thing where we go off and, like, the doctor is seeing, you know, the papers come out and, like, he's starting to put the pieces together that the Hulk and Bruce Banner were the same man. And, you know, he's seeing from the outside, you know, like, the Hulk facing off against Zax. <laughs> and, like, I heard that in a long time. how, uh, you know, everybody kind of thought he was some monster. But he kind of muses this family that's being saved by the Hulk, like, oh, I bet they probably don't think of him as a monster. But he kind of has this moment where he's like, I could just end this now. It'd only take a minute, and no one would ever have to fear the Hulk again. Right. From what I'm doing. And, like, should I do this? And then from there, we kind of see this whole thing back in the room. The two guys in the suits are giving their shield press cards to the shadowy man. And he throws them in the trash and is like, well, we're done with this farce. And they leave the room. And um, he's about to the point where he's got the last bullet out. And he's still kind of in that, I don't know if I should kill him decision. Like, because ethically, my job as a doctor is not to do this. And uh, presumably, it's the same guys from the shield room mm -hmm. come in with this little device that's going to send out some kind of radio waves to manipulate his brain. And they want him to install it before he puts Bruce's brain back together. And he's like, I couldn't do this. Like, I can't allow 
these people to have access to the Hulk's brain. I mean, what kind of weapon could he possibly be if somebody could really physically drive him? And so I think he has this moment where he's just like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to kill him. Because it's better to have the Hulk dead than the Hulk being controlled as a, as a, like a gun. And Banner comes out of his anesthesia, out of his anesthetic, and grabs the, the doctor's arm and stops the scalpel from hitting him. And of course, like the doctor looks over at the anesthesiologist and is like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And she's like pulling his anesthesia cords out. And she reveals that she's actually the girl that was saved by the Hulk back when he first fought Zax. <laughs> and so she's like giving him a chance to live. And of course he hulks out because the back of his head is completely pulled open yeah. to do brain surgery. brain surgery. And for me, like I've seen the Hulk take some serious damage and regenerate. Right. And so I'm kind of surprised he isn't regenerating. But um, he goes to the point where he's so mad and so strong that he's already bulletproof. And not just bulletproof, adamantium bulletproof. So maybe that's why, you know, something happens later. Maybe. I'll explain it later. Anyhow, but, like, the two uh, supposedly, I think, fake shield operatives, you know, are firing at him. And, of course, he backhands them away and screams, No one hurts a hawk! And he jumps into the uh, the observation exactly. windows. Does it. <laughs> yes. Well, it's better than the other voice one. No one hurts a no. He smashes through the observation window. Oh, I guess not. Yeah. Okay. First they pull a fell safe to yeah. try to gas him and kill everybody in the room. And the one agent is like, oh, that's going to kill everybody down there. But the Hulk doesn't have to breathe. Yes. And he's Hulk. like, yeah, but it'll get rid of all the witnesses. Yeah, Hulk doesn't always have to breathe, which was a crazy statement to me to begin with. But yeah, he actually has jumped around in space before, so... Yeah. But uh, the Hulk wants to jump through the observation window. And we find out that the window had some kind of, like, uh, negative zone particles in it, so the idea right. was it would randomly teleport you if it was smashed. Yeah, evidently the Hulk, yeah, he hit yeah. it too hard. <laughs> and so uh, the people in the room have some kind of a technology that allows them to, uh, to teleport, and they just run straight through the wall. And the Hulk starts to go after him, and then he looks back and he sees all the people kind of dying in the room with this gas. And so he smashes back down and he knocks a hole through the wall. Well, here, here's the one girl, the lady. The, the woman now, the anesthesiologist, she's oh, she yeah. help. The and so help. he basically goes down there and saves them. Yeah, he smashes through the wall so the guys can get out and they can get out. And he just leaps away. Holding his head, screaming all the time. And about halfway to town, he evidently passes out. And he just crashes into the town. And so we get like this two weeks later thing. And we have Agent Coulson and... I believe that's supposed to be Maria Hill. Yeah, it's Maria Hill. Um, and they're tracing down Banner. And they've heard some possible, like, positive... Uh, Identification. Yeah, that it could be Banner at this hospital. And so they're talking about, like, you know, yeah, he shows up naked and completely disoriented and doesn't know who he is or what's going on. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty much normal, but, like... This guy's like one of the best brains in the world, and the doctor keeps trying to tell him, like, eh, I don't know if this is really the guy that you're looking for. And, you know, in the end, they're like, well, you don't really understand. You probably saved the brightest mind of our generation. And he's like, well, I don't know if that's really going to be the case anymore. And they kind of step into the room, and there's Bruce, and his head's all taped up. But he's evidently had such severe brain damage that he's relearning how to spell. 
He's relearning how to write, even. Right. With, like, child flashcards. And they have a really weird statement. He'll never be smart again! <laughs> At the end of it. Yeah, that was a, If you read it the way Rob reads it, then it's... <laughs> never smart again! <laughs> it's tragic. Pretty sure I, that's what I yell when Jack runs into the side of the door. <laughs> never <laughs> smart again, he Jack! He was never smart before! <laughs> oh. No. That one skill of opening the doors, gone. <laughs> if that's shattering windows, I'm there too. <laughs> well, evidently when he de-hulked out, his brain was still exposed. So he's probably lucky that he's even alive at all. But evidently the damage didn't regenerate. Which is, you know, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, I don't know, maybe his brain has always been protected by a super thick Hulk skull from all the damage that he's had before. And that's why he's never had this severe brain damage. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think that whole thing will have to play itself out. Because whatever yeah, they will. did when they shot him ain't causing not to change. I, I think whatever damage was done in there, even if it is healing, it's not healing right. And he was... Uh, it didn't heal as quickly as most things would happen for the Hulk. Yeah. Normally, like, whatever happens to him happens and the Hulk rages out and everything is better. Yeah. But... This he was under for who who knows how long while well, they drained blood from his body, took samples or whatever, and next thing you know he's running around in the desert with half his head hanging open, and that's gonna do damage to a dude. The fact that he could de Hulk at all is crazy. Yeah, I'm surprised he did, to tell you the truth. But I guess the pain was just too much. But um, yeah, I mean we have the double effects because we have possibly whatever was changed in time that he was worried about before he got shot, along with this being such severe damage to the Hulk. Yeah, so, I, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's like, what else can they do to Bruce Banner? They separated him from himself, and so he's living as two beings, the Hulk and Bruce Banner. He went batshit crazy on that island, yeah. and then blown up by a gamma bomb, reintegrated into the Hulk, and now, now he's a brain-damaged tool bag. That makes sense. Well, the Hulk will, okay. will be smarter again. That's yeah, bonus. I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> have to be pretty. Have to be smarter than Banner is now. It's crazy, man. It's it was a pretty interesting story, but like whoever yeah. this other agency is, like it's crazy. Yeah, whoever was posing as Shield agents. Yeah. Yeah. Man, because at first I thought maybe it was Marie Hill that shot him, but that, obviously it's not her when she shows up later. Yeah. Because they don't really reveal who that girl is because she's shaded the entire time, kind of. Yeah, neither her or the other shadow the guy, man. Yeah. yeah. Of course, though. If you're going to movie logic, maybe he can't remember because he was shot with a bunch of adamantium bullets. You're fired. <laughs> um, Book-wise, I'd give it a, a three for score. No, two and a half for score. Art's, art's not bad. It's a little more simple than I usually like. The story-wise, it's fairly interesting. I mean, I don't know. I really like the whole separate Banner and separate Hulk thing where Banner was like Dr. Moreau crazy. Like, I thought it was great, because he's freaking nuts in there, creating all kinds of weird-ass animals. This is, like, the opposite of that. So it's, I don't know. It's crazy. And then, uh, sometimes I don't even know if I like the Hulk or not, but I this book I liked. I don't know. Rob, score? Um, I liked it, actually. I'd give it a three. I was getting ready to shut down the Hulk. And, like, this one's keeping me interested enough to want to keep going with it, so we'll see. But, yeah, I actually really enjoyed the story, so. Mr. Mike? I'll give it just out of the out of the kindness of my heart a two and a half because 
I tried Indestructible. I, I, I just don't care about the Hulk, I guess, that much. It's really too bad because Bruce Banner's not got brain damage. Well, I don't know. I'm sure he'll be okay. He could wind up like Starman and be awesome. Yeah, with his brain damage. That would be cool. <laughs> Man, wouldn't that be interesting? <clears throat> Crazy. Curtis? I don't know. I jumped ship on the Hulk after the semester run. Right. And I... They just can't match what happened prior to, like with the... Oh, with like his kids and the Paul Hulk's? the Hulk, they can't match that. There was some really good stuff there for a while. So... You enjoyed Paul the Hulk? So. Oh, I... Yeah. Is that... Now, that's after World, like, World, World all War. All of that. Hulk. All of that. It was just a... That, I'm going to give it a two. We just don't... I, I think this is a pretty strong story, but I understand. Well, I, well World I, War I, Hulk I, is really epic. I kind of yeah, compared to the Peter David run, too, back in the oh, 90s. Mm -hmm. That stuff was so good. Yeah. So good. I don't think they can recapture that. <laughs> Unless yeah, they, they bring Nick Nolte into it, that might help them. They won't, fit, man. No, because uh, Peter David grounded the Hulk. I agree. My, now my they're just, is just out of control. They're just <laughs> lifting the Hulk back up to something that's unattainable. I think so. Maybe. I I did actually like the Agent uh, Shield Agent Hulk storylines. I thought Agent they did Smash? a no, I thought they did some good stuff for it. But um, it's not as good as Hulk's. Definitely. Oh man. The previous stuff. So was good. Just so much better. His interactions with Scar were huge, and unfortunately, we're not seeing that here. Same, same with A Bomb. Yeah. It's A Bomb's coming. That whole storyline was just really, really huge. So it was so it's, good. It's the same thing. Like this isn't bad. It's just not it, that. That was so well, epic. And the thing yeah. is, they separate the She Hulk into her own book. That fails. Right. They separate Red She Hulk into her own book. That fails. They separate Red Hulk. Not so good. When it was Hulk's, my gosh, it was good. Mustache right. is cool, though. And that was Greg Pak and what? <laughs> Greg Pak and Vin, Fred Van Lente were writing all that. Yeah, it was so true. good. Okay, Sorry. Good. Your turn. Movie, movies that were bad, once again, um, Ang Lee's Hulk. Uh, Ross, score? I'm going to probably give it a three. Uh -huh. I can, I can uh, on the Ang Lee Hulk, I can understand why he did it, but yeah, it's, it's still bad. Right. Cool Betty Banner in there, or Betty. Who was it? Ross. It was, uh, uh, Liv Tyler. No, no that was the second movie. Oh. Betty was a helmet. No, so it's, dang, oh man, why can't I remember her name? Ah, uh, gag. But there's Start some, the sea. while you're thinking about that, there's some ideas that work really good in the comics and are terrible in movies. So, and they should have known that. Because Hulk Poodles worked fine in the comics because it was just the right amount of ridiculousness. In a movie, it stupid as heck. <laughs> there was absolutely no reason for that. And the Absorbing Man is kind of a D-class kind of character for me. Like, I like him. But they made the Absorbing Man so incredibly abstract, most people didn't even know it was the Absorbing Man. Mm -hmm. It's because it was McNulty. It's Jennifer Conley. He didn't have oh, a pointy head either. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah you, you need to have a pointy head if you're Crusher Creel. Damn right. You can't just be weird homeless guy. Pointy head. <laughs> Man. Giddy up. That's harsh. Poor, poor McNulty. Where's another 48 hours? He'll Come be on. He'll be fine. He just needs another drink. Yeah. Okay, well, with that in mind, <laughs> move on to Batman Eternal. Number one, two? Well, we one and two? Kind of, going kind of a combo a little bit? Yeah. All right. 
Alright, so this is the first of the weekly Batman, Batman books. books. And um, it starts with a heck of a big explosion. Because we actually have Batman kind of set up almost on a... Not, not necessarily a cross, he's, he's but he's like He's pinned to the bat signal. Yeah. That's what he's pinned. They got him crossed like... like are you strapped to the strapped bat to the signal. bat signal? I'll beat the heck out of him. The city's on fire. Yeah. Like, this is the end of your city, Bruce Wayne. And they're like, who the hell is saying that? We don't know who's saying that. He's changed his freaking light. And he's got the bat carved into his chest. Right. So they call him Bruce Wayne too. Yes, mm-hmm. it's Bruce Wayne. And they talk to him about, and they say like, all your allies are dead. Blah blah blah. I'm like, and then we go back a couple of months or something. It says the end, and then it says now. Yeah. So how who knows when the end is? Uh, obviously we don't know, but we've heard this story before about everybody being dead. But again, a, a kind of crazy like first set of panels, man, like crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, then it flashes back to now. Uh, we catch up with Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon and like a handful of um, GPCD policemen, and they're facing off against Professor Pig, and he's got this new chemical gas he's gassing these kids with, and, like, stupid pig monsters running around. Like, little pigs with Gatling guns strapped to their nose. They're, they're shooting. They're his plane. The I, pigs I think have they the Gatling. Were, no, they're not real pigs. I think they were running around on their own. No. They're connected to the plane. They're just the guns with pig yeah. things on top of them. All right. It still looks crazy. Yeah, it's craziness. And um, Batman's, like... First checking on Gordon, making sure he's okay. Right. And Gordon's like, oh, he's got the new gas so he's using on these kids. It's made him crazy, but, you know, we're all right. And so Batman goes after Professor Pig, which leaves Gordon and his men to chase down some of the other criminals. And one of the guys is like, oh, I guess it's time to earn my pay, and, like, takes off with Gordon following him. And uh, he winds up heading down through these back tunnels and winds up getting into a subway tunnel. Right. Now, meanwhile, Batman is taking care of Professor Pig, who's nonstop rambling his Professor Pig speech, all the way up to the point where he's getting his face pummeled in by Batman, and he's like, oh, it doesn't break the glaze, but it bounds the skin. (laughs) God, Professor Pig, shut up. It puts it on its skin, or it gets the hose again. Very close. (laughs) Very close. Except for even more nonsensical. Yeah, I suppose like him. He's a bad guy. Keep going. And so, um, Gordon and this criminal guy went popping out into a brightly lit, um, subway terminal. Right. And he turns back to Gordon, and I can't remember exactly what he says, but he, he basically makes it sound like he's giving up. But Gordon sees that he has a pistol, and he's standing in front of this juncture box, and he's like in the middle of a train station, like... He could be going either way to try to get up into the crowd, and yet he has them. And he's down inside. He's not in the. He's down inside the track. Well, he's down on the track. Yeah. He's on, but uh, yeah. but yeah. Go Gordon demands that he drops his gun. And he's like, "I don't have a gun." And like he kind of like waves his hands a little bit, and Gordon's like, "Drop your gun!" And he's, "I don't. I don't have a gun." And so Gordon shoots the gun out of his hand, and the bullet flies past and hits the junction box behind him. And it causes this big explosion. All the lights shut off and, like, trains start malfunctioning. And, like, they start coming into the station almost at the same time and derailing. And just, like, catastrophic death everywhere. Right. And Gordon's like, it doesn't make any damn sense. 
Like, that box wouldn't have taken out the power to this area. That box wouldn't have caused any of these things to happen. But it all seems to be happening right at that same moment. Now, right. these events are intermingled with a new guy being brought to the uh, Gotham City Police Department. He's going to be kind of a... Like, the guy, I think he's just below Gordon. He's new. He's a new detective. Gordon's bringing him in himself from another... From another another uh, he's bringing him in from another precinct. So basically, Gordon's bringing him in as a clean cop from another from another group. He's coming from Detroit, isn't he? Is mm -hmm. that where they say he's from? Yeah, probably. But yeah, the, basically, Gordon's bringing him in because he believes he's an honest cop. And Gordon knows that there's a bunch of snakes in his own organ, organization. So he's been handpicked, and Bullock's the one that picks him up at the airport... And he's like, yeah, Gordon's been talking up, talking you up real good. You got a lot of friends back at the pen. So basically, Bullock just being a jerk to him and making him feel like, oh, he's he's basically moving, coming into a place where no one's gonna like him, which, on all intents and purposes, is true. I mean, Bullock's he as as for random times as he's good, he's dirty. Yeah, Bullock's usually clean. He's just a hard ass cop. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the main thing. Is he's he's just a super hard ass, but he's almost always been clean. I don't think there's ever been a point where he's been dirty. Yeah, I don't think he's ever no? been dirty. No, man, yeah. it always feels like he's taking money. Yeah, it's because he's such a jerk. <laughs> he does. It always feels like he's taking money. Yeah. Always. It's, uh, it's how it always feels. He's, he's, he's always like, shaking down somebody. It's because he's so he's such a like hard ass. All right, all right. Well. I guess I'd never seen money take change hands, but that's always what I got from him. Mm. He's always like, I don't know, protection money style, without saying the protection part. Well, because he's such a hard ass, he he looks like that most of the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll give I you that. Agree. But like one of the guys he meets pretty quickly at the precinct is basically like, yeah, if you know what's good for you, you're not going to listen to what Jim has to say because you could make a lot of money here. Right, well, yeah, they, when they introduced me to the other guy, the other guy's like, yeah, you know what, you got to get on the right side of the law, otherwise you're going to get screwed. And he kind of made it sound like Jim's time wasn't going to be here. Right. That's Jim's true. time was coming up. He did make it sound like Jim Jim was, was getting ready to be gone. Yeah. Which was pretty, I don't know, it just sounded really bad for yeah. Jim. Well, at the time, it seemed out of place. Right. But as the story continues, who knows. Anyhow, so they basically are like, well... We've already got a call coming in, and since you're new here, you get to go to the call. It's like it's a big part of like being a part of uh, Gotham's police department. First like, night you get the first call, night man. you get the call. So they all wind up heading down to the crazy subway death. Right. And as soon as they get there, like Gordon's like, I don't know what the hell happened. And Batman has stopped and been like, Are you okay? I kicked the crap out of Professor Pig. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> And, like, he kind of gives him, you know, a little bit of a heads up. And, of course, Gordon's not sure right. what he's done. Like, he was pretty sure what he that the guy had a gun. He was pretty sure that shooting that box didn't do anything. But one of the policemen who was there is like, dude, why'd you shoot at that guy? He didn't have a gun at all. Which is weird, too, because we clearly see that he's got a gun. Yeah, and they kind of investigate around where he's at, and evidently he didn't have a weapon. Right, well... He died in the... Uh, he died crash, in the explosion, supposedly. Yeah. And um, so basically they're like, you know, arresting Jim because they think his actions caused this to happen because he fired an unarmed man and his proximity to the situation seems like he was responsible in some way for it. Right, which is kind of crazy just in general because they shouldn't have derailed the trains. They were both already coming into the station, which is something that Professor Pig has set in motion. Um, they, Batman mentions it earlier about the two trains both colliding and Batman's trying to get Alfred to stop it but for whatever reason Alfred can't manage to hack into the grid or something mm. so like that whole thing happening Batman's all coming but 
there wasn't anything for them to do to stop it because Alfred couldn't get access to the train's system. So whoever set the train's in motion is who's behind all of it. Whether it's Professor Pig or not, eh. Yeah, who knows? Good, good question. I mean... I feel like it's too much for, for Pig. Probably, yeah. We don't know that for sure. And this is just a personal note on my side. I think he said this in other books where his code for Alfred is Penny One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He calls him that too. I wish that they would come up with a better name. <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, well, Batman basically leaves Gordon at the scene, right? And yeah. Gordon ultimately gets arrested by the new guy who's like, it's a really pleasure to meet you, sir, as he arrests him. Yeah. Because he has to take the collar because it's his first night. Eh, right. Welcome to Gotham. Yeah. So the first book actually ends with a crazy, like, arresting Jim Gordon. Right. So when we get into the second issue, which, by the way, that was craziness, and it kind of opens up the whole idea that, like, this is the payoff for that whole Thanksgiving oh, yeah. prophecy picture that came out a long time ago. Back in yeah, that same one that took us, like, two hours to find. Yeah, I can't believe we tried to find one here the other day. Yeah. It felt like it was in a lot of stuff. It was. It was in like everything. But none of us could remember what number it was. And oh. even a couple of girls that come in were like, oh yeah, it should be this. No, I can't remember what number it is. And eventually she led us to the right book. But man, like between, it was me, you, Jesse, um, the two the two girls, and somebody else was here. I don't remember who it was, but between the group of us, it took for freaking ever to find one of those stupid pictures. Anyway. And Professor Pig's playing with two trains, being like, crash, crash. And I'm like, damn pig guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. There he was. He comes going to the back with being arrested, and he's got Bullock behind him and some other dude. Yeah. Yeah, so the Professor Pig Alfred's part's already in, paid off. Alfred's in the straight jacket. Well, eventually, maybe. We haven't seen that yet. Go on to number two. Were you going to say something? Okay. Now's the time. Okay. You shake your head. Oreo cookies are good. All right. Mm. So uh, this actually opens up at the Gotham City mayor's hall and basically he's he's talking to one of the aides that we don't really see in this frame and he's basically like oh my gosh gordon really stepped in at this time do i have to talk about this right now do we know what's really going on and of course the guy's like well we don't have to make a statement yet and he's like good i don't want to make a statement as long as i can and he kind of goes into his office and he's like this is a good time to get some liquor up i guess he's gonna sit down and have himself a drink right and the shadowy, shadowy guy starts talking to him from his balcony. Like he stepped in from outside of the building. So he's already been there before the mayor got there. And uh, the mayor's kind of going like, What the hell is this damn city coming to? And the shadowy guy's like, Exactly what I said it would five years ago. And of course he's like, You? Oh my gosh, shadowy guy. I must know you, but I don't know who you are yet. And so we kind of learn a little bit more about, like, this destruction that the, uh, that the subway system's in, and they're still pulling bodies out of, the, uh, out of the trains and stuff, so we still don't know what the death tool is. And there we go over to something that we really don't see a lot, which is Gotham Gazette. Because unless they want to try to actually bring in um, Selena Kyle, we don't really know much about the newspaper set up in, in Gotham City. Oh, Vicki Vale? Yes, Vicky Vale, that's what I meant. Yes, because Selena Kyle's Catwoman. Right. Vicky Vale. Yes. Gotham Gazette. Yeah. Which this is actually Vicky Vale. What do you know? Oh. Um, she's basically got the story. And she's like, I don't know if I want to publish this. Because we don't have all the facts. And the editor's like, 
basically like, you need to publish this. We break the news here in Gotham. That's how we do it. And the guy behind him is like, yeah, I don't know if Jim's capable of this thing. Yeah, well, guy, you got the proof. You have the proof. Yeah, you, you have the proof. We need to publish it. And, of course, the guy behind him is like, yeah, there's somebody I'd like to beat his head in with a sledgehammer. And she makes this off kind of remark later like oh you've been doing too many joker pieces but um she doesn't want to believe that jim could be responsible for this well that would she's not a true and real life journalist then is she no now she's letting her emotions get in the way a bunch of sharks right (laughs) well that's the idea is that we're we're (laughs) trying to show that you know at least some people in gotham have a heart (laughs) but um as the news is leaked out, presumably Alfred is making the rounds to all the bad allies. And so he first contacts Batgirl, who's like, I'm getting ready for work, and she's putting on her bat gear. And it's not until she heads out on the bike that he gives her the information about what's going on with her dad. Right. And we kind of see the distra- this, how distraught she is in her eyes. And we kind of flash over and we see Harper Row is... Uh, She's watching on TV. She's watching, like, the events on, on the internet or the TV or whatever, and she's like, holy chopsticks, oh! So, like, she's aware of it. And then we got the Red Hood, who's in his own little pub with all these beat-up ninjas in Hong Kong, and he sees it on the news. Uh, and then we go over to Lucius Fox and his son. Yep. And, like, Lucius Fox is like, are you seeing this? And the kid's like, of course I am. Because I'm right behind you, Dad. You know, it's crazy news when it makes it to Hong Kong. Heck right. yeah. It made the Hong Kong about the same time that it made it in, in Gotham, so. Gotham Gazette breaks news, Rob. Heck yeah, they break everywhere. it everywhere. They break it so hard, you might need a cast. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Batwoman, and we see her, she's seen it. And then we have Red Robin uh, actually communicating with Alfred, talking about what's going on while he's, like, kicking the crap out of these robots. And, like, Alfred's basically like, oh... You know, is it really appropriate that you contact me while you're in the middle of a battle? And he's like, oh, no, these are my own robots. I made these to fight. Like, he's the only one who's, like, practicing, I guess. I don't know. It's weird that they made it like that. Because they're all in progress of doing something else, I think. Yeah. But it basically alerts us that all of the, like, essential Bat family is is aware of the situation. It's probably going to be converging on Gotham, which, man, that'd be awesome. Because we haven't seen them together since the stuff with the Joker. Right. And, you know, most of them weren't really in any capacity to, like, go kick ass. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. But uh, Batman shows up with Jim in his cell. And it's basically like, nobody's around Batman, so you can come forward. Because, like, Batman wants to talk to him from the shadows. And Jim's like, you know, I don't, I'm just not in the mood for your crap right now. And so, of course, Batman's trying to figure out, like, how there's there's a way that, that they can get around this. Like, you know, he wants to examine his blood and... Like, make sure he wasn't gassed with some of Professor Pig's new gas or whatever he was doing. And uh, we find out from him that he's seen the security footage now. And so he knows the guy was not, he was unarmed. But, like, he was sure that he fired on an armed man. But uh, Batman takes his blood sample and talks to him for a little bit. And Jim's kind of, like, resigned that this is his mistake and that he's lost control now. And that there's no way that he can come back from this. Like, he's, he's not going to come out of this being commissioner. Which is bad news, because the city is still as corrupt as it ever has been. And we kind of go from there to back to the mayor's office, where we have a shadowy guy talking to the mayor, and he's basically like telling him that he was the one who orchestrated him becoming the mayor. And that he was the one 
who used to rule the city and that we need the city to get back to what it used to be. It used to be this garden where we just took what we wanted. And that, you know, if he hadn't put the, you know, the crusader Gordon into his position, that they wouldn't have had to go this hard. You know, and if he didn't put his faith behind these, these costume freaks, like the, uh, the city wouldn't be the mess that it is now. And he's basically telling them, like, I've already put steps in motion that we're going to make this city like it used to be. And we kind of flash back and we see, you know, the decimation of, of this train wreck as we're seeing people's bodies be pulled out of, pulled out of the subway. And we have this guy in a green suit show up down there and um, a plainclothes cop comes across him. And she's like, uh, this is an act of crime scene. You can't be down here. It's on the days like this you wonder, in the depths of your mind, why you came to this city. Don't you, Officer Stroud? He's like, well, you know my name? He's like, I know lots of things about you. For instance, 30 seconds from now, you won't remember what I, whatever even happened here. You won't remember the very look, the way looking directly at my eyes made you feel. Um, and basically what we see in his reflection of his eyes, like these skulls kind of floating in there. A little frightened, a little excited. Like you were standing on the edge of a horrifying abyss and considering leaping in. Leaping in. Um, and then he kind of like, he continues to like just walk away from her as she's mesmerized there. And he talks about how, okay, well you're not going to remember this and you're probably not going to remember whatever happened to you on your fifth birthday either. So like, something, yeah, something weird has happened in her past. But as he's walking away, he's talking about how he knows true evil. I know all about evil. And we see in, the, in his uh, shadow that it's not the shadow of the man that we see before him, but it's the shadow of the specter. So I'm pretty sure we just see the specter hanging out in Gotham, which is pretty crazy. Um, from there we go to Arkham Asylum where we catch up with Dr. Phosphorus. Somehow they've managed to put Phosphorus out. Which is crazy, because, like, they... Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, they've never been able to figure out how he did what he did or why his skin was burning the way that it was. But he basically is saying that, like, the fire burns him worse inside now that they've contained it. And so they're like, we're going to figure out a way to make this work. Let's shut that off. And, like, let's evidently scoot off because, you know, he's just going to shout until the morning anyway so like the people that were observing him just leave and we kind of flash around and we see inside the cell that there's this crazy looking like almost like a priest whose face is kind of very skeletal with these like spiritual entities flying around him in all this green flame and he's like approaching him as the phosphorus is like falling on the ground like in terror and uh, he's like They'll remember my name. They'll remember what to call me. Say it. Say it to me aloud. And as he, like, touches him, his skin, it, like, ignites again. And he screams out, Black fire! Presumably, he's either dead <laughs> or he's burst out into his phosphorus flame again. I assume he's reignited. That's my guess as well. But when the, the hand that touches him is a skeleton's hand. Yeah. Which is crazy. But, you know, hey, whatever. Go on. Um, from there, we flash back over to uh, one of the monitoring buildings for Gotham, so that he can. Uh, we we see the Batman's like infiltrated the building, 
and he's watching the footage of um, the train wreck to try to figure out where... He's examining it, yeah. yeah. He's basically trying to watch the footage to see if anybody's messed with the the gear. And he hears something in the background, and of course he throws some bad rings, and uh, Catwoman like is the one that made the noise, and she kind of like jumps out of the way of him, and she's like, oh, somebody's Tim's. And like comes in wanting to be his buddy. And... Um, He's like, things for her to do. I don't have time for you, Catwoman. And she's like, ouch. <laughs> you have plenty of time for him. And she's talking about Jim Gordon. And he's like, I thought we were... And Jim Batman's basically like, Jim's a friend. He needs my help. There's no way to treat Hallie. And she's like, aren't I a friend? And she all, like, cuddles up against him. And Batman looks at her for a second. And then he just turns back to monitoring. <laughs> she's like, oh, well, all right then. Whatever. It's a different Catwoman. Yeah. Mike. Um... And he used something cold. Batman's cold. <laughs> awesome. So now he's he's watching over like the guy who led Jim uh, down, Jim the down there mm-hmm. to try to see if he has some kind of connection to somebody he knows. And in the end, he doesn't recognize the man, but he recognizes somebody that's connected to him. And basically, he's like, "No, not that man." And like he kind of has like a moment where he falters. Right? And go back to City Hall. And the mayor's still being shucking down, and the mayor's basically like, I don't know what you mean, what's going on? Like, basically, he's he's confirming that this guy set up Gordon for whatever's happening. Right. And the guy's basically saying, like, well, we've come back, and we're going to make the city what it is, what it used to be, and I brought a lot of people with me to make it that way. I cut back to Batman. He's presumably leaving the monitoring station now, and Catwoman's following him. And she basically accuses him of being afraid of somebody. And that she needs to know why or who. And Batman's like, whatever's none of your business, I'm Batman. And she's like, you don't get to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Who could make you afraid? And he finally kind of, like, gives in. And he tells her it's the Roman. It's Carmen Falcone, who's back in town. And uh, he's, like, we get the big reveal. He's the one who's been talking to the mayor. So he's the one who set this all up. And he's got, like, the cat scratches from year one, still in space, and of course, like, Catwoman's like, Common, oh, And, like, we kind of end with him being like, it begins. And that's kind of where we end it, with the, the reveal that it's Carmen Falcone. He's probably behind most of the stuff that's going on. It's been a long time since I watched Batman year one, the animated. I don't think I ever actually read Year One the Animated. So, I'm really not familiar... Yeah, the comic <laughs> Year One the Animated? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, the comic. I'm really not familiar with Carmen Falcone. Well, I know he was he, he was a big part of the um, Dark Victory and Long Halloween, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where the whole... Yeah. The scratches came from. And, yeah. yeah. And I did some research on Blackfire, um, and I found something that was related to Batman the Cult. Right. Um, so I found a little bit about him, but I don't know, this is like... Well, he's supposed to be dead, and at this point, seeing the skull yeah. version of him, I maybe he is dead, I don't know, it's crazy. It's kind of hard to say. What I, what I found out from Blackfire, if it's the same Blackfire from the cult. Right. because uh, there's at least two Blackfires, because there's one that's, um, Starfire's sister, which is obviously not this character. Right. <laughs> and then there's the one from the cult. 
But, you know, DC likes to reuse names, so it could be a whole new character, too. But uh, the one on the cult basically had some kind of low-level mind control, and he claimed to be over 100 years old. He had evidently begun a small cult following in Gotham, which led to him basically taking over most of Gotham, including when he faced off against Batman, overcoming him with his like kind of mind control and controlling Batman for a little while. Mm-hmm. And when Batman finally shrugged it off, he wanted Batman to kill him in front of his uh, followers so that you become a martyr. Of course, Batman, seeing through this, beat the living hell out of him and just left him disgraced in front of his followers. That was a good story. Uh, evidently, the followers then presumably killed Blackfire. Blackfire. And I don't they, think we they ever... double dip on the names because when they try too hard to come up with something original that hasn't been used, they come up with things like Hawkfire. It's, yeah, it's terrible. Hawkfire <laughs> could be awesome. <laughs> like, literally, a hawk on fire. That would be great. It's, it's like a human-sized hawk that just bursts and flies off. <laughs> See, like roasted chicken falling from the sky and then no, he's gone. Hawk fire. But he's born again like a phoenix. <laughs> you're like, why don't you just call yourself Phoenix Foxfire? And he's like, there's too many lawyers. Too many names. Doesn't look good on a folder. No. <laughs> Stop. The cult, uh, the cult was written by uh, Jim Starlin. Did yeah. you? Yes. Drawn by Bernie Wrightson. Uh, I didn't even I think that you would have uh, read that. Yeah. Okay. So, did you peruse Batman Eternal? Did you see this no. character? Okay. Take a look through it real fast and see if maybe he jogs a memory for you, because I think that's who it is, but I don't know. It's about midway through the book. Um, but I don't know. I, I just... I don't know Carmen Falcone, so... I don't see him shaking Batman. Yeah, me either. Like I it all. That was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, I've read all that stuff. He didn't shake him back then. No. No, he didn't really... Wasn't, he just had a hard... He was a little slippery, alive, but... Guys are still around, but... Falcone was connected to either uh, Dick Grayson's parents' death or Bruce's parents' death. I don't remember which one. Connected to Bruce's parents. Is it Bruce's parents? I think because Grayson was the, what's his name? Uh, The lawyer from Zuko. Zuko. Yeah, Yeah. Tony Zuko. But, you know, Zuko may have been working for, I I can't remember Could have been working for Falcone, too. The two families weren't, they weren't uh, against each other then, I don't think. But yeah, Carbon's supposed to be the Earth. He's supposed to be the one connected to the murder of uh, Bruce's parents, apparently. And basically, like the reason they call him the Roman was that he's basically like DC's kingpin. Mm-hmm. So his reign of crime over the families was basically considered like the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So that's where he gets the nickname the Roman from. There's yeah, another... that reveal was. I mean, for me, anyways. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's okay. another connection, I think, to Falcone. I could be wrong about this. Hmm. But I know uh, at least Scott Snyder's a pretty big fan of that old animated mm-hmm. series. Right. And Phantasm is very connected to the Falcone mm-hmm. family as well. Not that that ties into anything right here. Right. But I just has to be curious. That's only been in the animated, right? So, I, yeah. The Phantasm, yeah. Or the Fountain. Phantasm. Phantasm, yeah. It yeah. wasn't... Um, wasn't the wasn't Thorn connected to the Falcons as well in the animated? The guy who was like mainly responsible for Two Face in the animated world. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, pretty that. much any of the gang stuff was had had some extent stuff related to Falcon. Yeah. yeah. 
like, yeah, I don't know. This was like, I don't know. There's How's the score book go? Um, I don't know. I, I, for one, I'd give it a three and a half. For two, I'd probably give it a three. Third? I thought it was good, but like the second book I didn't think was as strong as the first. Mr. Mike? Overall, I'd probably give it a three. I'm not real sure where this is going. I mean, it's good, but then you can kind of tell they're going to kind of focus more on the behind-the-scenes type of stuff. It's not going to be it's not going to be as direct as like the other bat books, which it's not supposed to be. But right. it'll be it, it's going to take a little bit to see where, where it's going to what's where building to. So, hey, Curtis, I'll give him a three. Ms. Ross, I'd probably give it a three, two. Yeah, I, I do the same. I mean, a three. I like the first book a lot. And like coming back to that Thanksgiving picture, this is gonna be the book I think everything from that picture winds up showing up in. There, I don't think there was a hint to the Roman, but maybe the guy standing in the back by the river, because there's a whole group of guys standing back behind a tree over there. And I don't remember who they. I don't remember what they look like, so I guess I have to go back and look for that again. Don't ask me to find that book. So no, I'm remember. not going to. Don't. I, I just look online to find the picture actually now. Dude. Instead. No. Because it's on there. But yeah, originally, if I, I wish I would have looked for that instead of just for the weird Professor Pig nonsense. Anyway, uh, yeah, I give it a three as well. I don't know; it's pretty interesting. Like the whole, eh, I, like you said, I, I don't think whenever most long Halloween, I I read the piece, read that stuff in trades. I didn't read those. I wasn't reading the regular Batman series at that point. I don't even think I was reading Detective back then. I probably, I probably wasn't. But yeah, he, he never really held the same. I mean, he's basically like a kingpin of kingpins. Eh, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not that. I'm not that afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Me. I, the whole connection to Batman is the it's the parents thing. But I don't know her being like, "Who makes you afraid?" I'm like, "Shut up." No, he's Batman. No one makes Batman afraid. Well, I can understand her being afraid of him. Oh yeah. Well, but, yeah. She has more of a connection to the whole thing, and she's the one that scarred him anyway. So yeah, right. It's just, days. It's just weird that. Uh, oh, bud. Frank Miller hates ladies. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> It's just weird that uh, it's not like he was sparing her from knowing about it. It was, I don't know. Frank Miller hates ladies. Are you saying that he would appreciate the Cairo drawing? He would appreciate what? Cairo. The Cairo sketch. Oh, I don't. Oh, like, you, no, I don't, stop no, inferring. No, that's not, no. I'm just asking. Stop inferring. No, <laughs> no I, I don't think it's anything like that. But. I, I, no, I don't, that. I don't think it's... The way that the way that every time he writes anything for any female leech is either got to be a whore or a prostitute. Yeah, <laughs> always time. prostitutes. Yeah, can't possibly have a regular lady. So he doesn't job. respect the ladies. No, okay. Well, I don't cool. know. I don't know if there's respect or not, man. I mean, I think in in his world it gives them power. So you're saying by treating them and making them whores that he respects them because they're whores? No, like what's her name, Nancy? In Sin City? No, in Sin City. Okay, yeah. She's a stripper. Everybody gawks at her. She's got all the power. Mm -hmm. I think think it's an empowering thing for the female leads in his books. It's possible. Because Catwoman had power in year one because she was a prostitute. Right. So she Mm. knew all the the underbelly, seedy stuff. Yeah, like I was saying. So in order for women to have power in his mind, they must be prostitutes. (laughs) Except for Carrie Kelly. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, though, like... And she was also, she was like a tag-along youngin'. She hadn't well, worked into that part yet. Let's stop it right there. <laughs> I'll stop. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> well, you, all right. <laughs> you, you go into Dark Knight, and where's Catwoman? She's, like, completely broken up, washed up, used up, completely destroyed. I think that's more of his take on Woman. 
but let's move on. He does dress like the shadow. That's true. That's kind of cool. He does. He does. Have you seen him? Crazy. No matter the heat. <laughs> he doesn't care. Black Twitch with the whole time, man. Yep. All right. So uh, we have one more email from this last past couple weeks. Um, and this one's fairly interesting. Uh, we've got a couple questions in here. We'll try to go through them without dragging it too far, I guess, because it's getting kind of on in the episode. Um, so these come from, uh, from Mr. Smith. Uh, <laughs> Hunter. And uh, with you, his question was, if, if we could pick any, what are, what are our top two books for Marvel and DC or other other companies that we enjoy right now? So, Curtis, your favorite current Marvel top two? Guardians of the Galaxy and Mighty Avengers. All right. Ross, top two Marvel? Uh, I don't really read any Marvel, but Thor God of Thunder was pretty cool. Nova at the start was awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome okay. Marvel. That's that's as far as my Marvel readings go. Okay, so DC. So it's like, okay. Oh, are we just doing? No, Marvel? we're doing Marvel right now. Rob, okay. Marvel, go. All right, uh, Amazing X Men and Mighty Avengers. They're both good, yeah. Mr. Mike. I'd say Guardians of the Galaxy and the Superior Spider-Man slash Spider-Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, so I already know it's going to be good. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I'd have to side with all, all young on Guardians because Guardians has been fantastic. Yep. It's so good, and then I, I would say all new X Men, but I like all new X Men like the whole time travel craziness. Yeah, I'm all about it, man. That that's awesome. I, mm -hmm. I like I like all new X Men. It has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a really good. good. Uh, Curtis, top two DC go. Uh, Roscoe. Roscoe. Justice League and Batman and Robin. It's a good call. Good call. <laughs> Rob. Uh, Superboy and Batman. It's almost like cap out, but it's been so good. It has to be done. Okay, Mr. Mike? You have to go Batman, and I'm still enjoying Aquaman, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> we see his two colors. I like Aquaman, too. It's number three. All right. <laughs> Curtis? Batman and whatever. Batman and Robin, Batman and Wonder Woman, Batman and whatever. Batman and? Batman, Batman and, because it's Tomasi. Going, it's yeah, going it's back sick. to Batman and Robin. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. You keep your secrets there, Ross. We'll ask <laughs> you about that in just a Red second. Lines. Yeah, we'll go Red Lanterns. You said found stranger earlier. We'll go Red Lanterns. Yeah. Red Lanterns. Yeah, that's a good one too. That's a good one too. Charles. Um, I I would I would say Batman, obviously. Cop out. Um, then Batman and Robin probably be my second favorite to read right now for current DC titles. Wonder Woman's in there a little bit because I like that one too a lot. But I Batman and Robin I probably prefer over just because it's, it's both so good, man. Like it, that's easy. Uh, I talked to you from other companies, Curtis. Go. Oh, probably Invincible from Image and Quantum and Woody from mm -hmm. Valiant. Valiant? Yeah. Nice. Ross? You can go with uh, Samurai Jack and Samurai Jack. Oh, IDW, okay. those are the same book, <laughs> Ross. Maybe. Rob? Um, I'm going to go Archer and Armstrong and... Yeah... Didn't think about it as far as I should have, but the uh, Quantum and Woody has been really, really good. So, all right, it's two valiants. Mm -hmm. Mr. Mike, Black Science, yeah. been amazing. And uh, anytime Dark Horse decides they want to put out Lobster Johnson, I'm in. Hey, that's a good one. I changed uh, one of mine with what? The Wake. Oh, yeah. close Talk enough. DCs. 
For your DCs no, or your no, others? No, go others? We'll go with we'll go with others. Where to go is others. Okay. Yeah, I almost took that one too. Um, I would give you revival. Yeah. Uh, from Image. Uh, great. Um, man, there's just so many others that are like they're really good. Uh, Starlight. Starlight's really good too. Uh, I like that one too. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. Manifest Destiny's good too, though. Uh, so, so, Revival and as second one, if I could only read one other. Uh, Samurai Jack, alright! No, <laughs> I, 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 Samurai Jack's fun too, but yeah. as far as like, I mean, other books like that I look forward to every time they come out. East of West? East of West Ooh. would probably be, yeah. Forgot that. It's hard to do, too. Yeah. It's so hard. It is. I'll, I'll say East of West. Um, it's just been fantastic, and there's a lot of it out there now. It's a couple trades, so it's a yeah, good chunk to get into. Um, uh, let's see. What did, what did he have? Uh, he gave us, uh, for books for him, the Batman, and Suicide, Batman and the Suicide Squad, which that's ending and restarting Suicide Squad is. Uh, Thor... Guardians of the Galaxy, it's a good call. Star Wars, uh, Brian Wood's Star Wars is the ongoing one right now. It's, uh-huh. I think it's going to end this year. This is good stuff. And uh, BPRD, also good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second question, this one was really pretty interesting. When we when I, when I read this, I was like, wow, that's because his example is great. Uh, so the second question was, if you could take any two characters from, from any publisher and move them to another company, so relocate them to another publisher, who would it be and who would you want to have write it? Um, so, Mike, you want to go first? What was his example? Oh, yeah, good point, because it's great. So his example was Hellboy being moved to D.C. because he, he thinks Gotham could handle a little Hellboy and having Peter Tomasi ride it, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which would be great, <laughs> <Okay>. honestly. <laughs> like, that whole idea of, they did do a team-up at one point, like a mini, like a small team-up with, yeah. with Hellboy... Was... Uh, Starman. Starman and Batman. As far so, as the Batman part of that, though, it was somewhat disappointing. Because he was in it Bats for like two panels much. or it's something. It's more Starman and, and, and Hellboy. But nevertheless, they, there's still technically a trade out there. Sort of. Anyway. Uh, Mike? Came up with a few, but... Um, seeing as how uh, DC doesn't really seem to know what to do with the Shazam family, I say... I say uh, boot him over to Marvel and let Hickman take a stab at it. Mm-hmm. Probably be yeah. interesting. Um, then I kind of thought maybe I, I, you know, I haven't read the whole thing, but let's just say we'll go back to the middle of the run or the beginning of the run. Take uh, that Houston dude, the Fear Agent guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kick him over to DC in the Green Lantern end of things. He could be bounty hunter or whatever. It'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I can see him in the space race over there. That'd be kind of cool. He's a he's he's a comedy, well, like an action comedy character. So that'd be cool. You'd have to. Yeah, and as far as uh, well, I guess you'd have to either have Tomasi ride it, or you'd have to get give Johns a kick in the ass back over that way. <laughs> be cool. Curse. Initially, I was thinking I would because you run into a lot of redundancies and right. So, but I was thinking having uh, Doctor Strange move over to DC, and having uh, Snyder take a stab at him. All right, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. And then I was thinking Werewolf by Night. Either move him to an independent book or DC, 
and there's a lady named Rachel Deering that's writing a book called Anathema, and it's about a werewolf, and I think she could handle that very well. That'd be cool. So if if you check out Comicsology, maybe Anathema, it's right. it's a good read. Cool. Miss Ross, mine's kind of cheating too because I already did a crossover of it. <laughs> okay. But I think aliens, like xenomorph aliens, okay, in Green Lantern Core, with Scott Snyder writing it as like more horror. They've done that. They've Did done you do Green a Lantern. Green Lantern versus Aliens? It was, it was back in the day. Yeah, it was always wow. back. Wow. But, yeah, that'd be kind of a cool... Yeah, that'd be fun. See his miniseries. You got another one? Um... Mm-mm. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. I'll, I'll take up yours, and sadly, I'm not so great at who I'd want to have write these characters, but I'm more about, like, who I want them to interact with, so... Uh, I took a page from what, what uh... Curtis did there and, and went for some more obscure guys. So for Marvel, I would trade Dr. Druid over to DC and put him in like the Swamp Thing book oh. and have him interact with him. Because uh-huh, right. Dr. Druid was always like, I'm mystic, but my powers come from nature and stuff. But like he was almost always a fraud. So having him play <laughs> with the uh, uh, Swamp Thing would be great. And then uh, the Black Knight with his enchanted blade and put him over into um, Justice League Dark. Or, I know Demonites is done now, but like he would have fit great in Demonites. To have that legacy of the Cursed Blade, I think would play a lot better. Like in, from Marvel, right? Yeah, I think it would play better in DC than it does over in Marvel. Yeah, because he really doesn't have a spot in Marvel. Totally. No, they, they try to find some spot for him, and they basically just lump him in with the English characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, from DC, I'd like to go ahead and get Dr. Midnight switched over, and have him play as like a support character in the Daredevil kind of world of things. Dr. Midnight doesn't get to do anything. They haven't used him yet in, in our regular stuff. Right. Um, I hate the idea of putting him in there just because he's blind to have him hang out with Daredevil, but... Blind leading the blind, Rob. We could have Daredevil and the, sh- uh, and the Shroud and Dr. Midnight. would be great. Uh, and then just the question over into, over into Marvel. I don't know exactly where we put him, but I like the character. It's not been used, so... That question's cool. Ross? I thought of another one with, uh, as much as I wouldn't want to see Crypto go over to Marvel, I think Crypto and the Pet Avengers would be <laughs> Oh, awesome. man. Do you need a choice? That's more of a crossover than it is a... Because if he moves to the world, who would he be? Yeah, you can't have like him without Superman dog? and what stuff. What would you call him then? Crazy. Bob? <laughs> Bob, Bob Bobo? Both good answers. What's, what's a good generic dog name? Rex? Fido. Fido, yes. Fido. <laughs> Man. Fido, the dog of the century! Oh, gosh. DC, into the sun. DC owns a license for Rex the Wonder Dog. Yep. Okay. So. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, I guess Crypto could leave and they'd have Rex on, I guess. What do you, I don't know. Yeah. Lame. Wouldn't want him to leave. I think Crossover would be a better... Crossover would be a better option? He'd take out the Pet Avengers. <laughs> Lockjaw'd be <Man>. like... <laughs> Oh, blink dang. away. <laughs> and if he needed any help, he'd just de- get Dexter involved and it's oh over. Oh, man. <laughs> Steve. Okay. Dexter um, would just be a pissed off cat in Marvel. <laughs> you know, I would I want to put the shadow in, into uh, into DC, I think. I think that, that that'd be cool. I mean, I don't know. I could see him in Gotham, too. But Gotham's like, I don't know, that's the best place for that style character, I guess. And they did a crossover in the 70s with them, and that was... Yeah. 
So I, I, th I think that'd be cool. Um, as far as like other, I, I don't necessarily know how obscure the characters are, but um, I kind of like to see. This is kind of maybe this is a cop out too because I think maybe they did this before. Um, Man Thing show up in DC. I don't necessarily know as a versus thing, but if you put him in Swamp Thing's book, the two of them are like polar. They're like the same thing, sort of. Except the Man Thing is like living. I don't know. I guess they both are exactly the same, aren't they? Now, ever since they killed Alcalis, they're like the same thing. Hmm, that's a bad idea. Well, except for Man Thing generates fire. That's true. And he can grow wings. Oh wait, no, that's the well, other that's, guy. That's, that's Swamp Thing. thing. Yeah. Man Thing can generate fire because it will burns the touch of Man Thing. I got my things mixed up. So anytime he touches, it burns. Okay. And he teleports. He has mm -hmm. an awesome name. Like we could, we could probably replace Cyborg with him. As long as there's fully reason why. Yes, because Cyborg can teleport people. He's the cosmic taxi. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, do you got one, Mike? Oh, yeah. yeah. What do you, how do you suppose a blade would work out in the Hellboy universe? Oh, that would be awesome. I, that's a, yeah, that'd be that'd cool. Be cool. Yeah, or maybe play the Vampire Slayer. Beta Ray Bill and the Green Lantern. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, because he, he'd get pissed and kick, them, kick all their ass. See, and I thought putting Ray Palmer over in Marvel, maybe. That'd be fun. Yeah. Right. Adam. What about Nightcrawler over to DC and... Where would he fit in? Or Nightcrawler in BPRD. Yeah. Nightcrawler yeah. in BPRD would be awesome. That'd work really that would, yeah, yeah, would be that'd cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Can Night I make that last one mine? I'm going to take that mic. There you go. Nightcrawler to BPRD would be freaking great. That's my idea. And just... <laughs> teamwork. <laughs> teamwork. Nightcrawler would make... Do you suppose Daredevil would fit in, like, Blue Haven, uh, Gotham, and have Snyder write it? Just figure that'd yeah. be pretty good? they've actually done the crossover sure. with um, Daredevil and Batman. Really? Yeah. Where, where the hell... Are they, is it any good? Because I've never heard of it. Most of them are not great. No. But most most of them start out like as, oh, we got to battle each other for a second. Oh, no, we'll be friends. And then they, yeah. It's so like the Judge Dredd Batman crossovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't end very good. On, on that same note, though, as soon as someone tells me it's a crossover, I'm almost instantly sold on it, even though I know it's going <laughs> to end that way. What about Grifter to Marvel? You know what? Let Remender ride it. I was thinking have Grifter join Grayson in Spiral. Ooh. That'd be good. That yeah, that would be. That. Technically, that is still both DC. Well, yeah, but, but that was... Awesome. As far as story in general? I think that would be that'd good. That would be pretty awesome, yeah. So. Or they and they could trade, like, Turok the Leaper for Gorilla Grodd, and Gorilla Grodd could be a cat villain. <laughs> Did you say Turok the Leaper? The Batroc. Yeah. the Leaper. The French, the really goofy version. Gorilla Grodd to Marvel, so he can fight Cap. Hmm? Uh, he does hate everything me. man, and Captain America is man. Right, well, if you'd want to switch <laughs> out, uh, uh, what's that Mala and the Brain? You can do that, whatever. Mala, <laughs> you just want Captain America to fight monkeys. Sure. We well, could do that without him. The ultra-humanoid. <laughs> just get the red ghost out there, and he can fight all kinds of different monkeys. Have the red tornado join the Avengers. Yeah, and, and, right. You know, they'd be just like the Vision. Have yeah. the Vision and him fight. You think well, Doctor Doom would make a? Yeah, yeah. You think Doctor Doom would make a good Justice League villain? Oh, that'd be cool. Who? Doctor Doom? Yeah. Is it a giant robot or is it just uh, sure? Why doesn't not? Fit? No, I think she's giant like Shaq's giant. No. He's, he's just big. A little bit bigger. Okay, okay, roughly bigger fine. than an average. Roughly, roughly bigger. Yeah, I figure the Shazam family would be. I think they'd be better suited in Marvel. Really do. Mm. They just haven't really been able to 
maintain mm. anything. Well, they haven't done anything with them yet. Yeah, that's true. They haven't really done anything with them yet. Yeah, they fit really well in DC when they do stuff with them. Though. Mm. Supposedly they're working. They were working on a on a book, but they haven't seen it yet. So right. Well, I guess they are moving forward that multiverse book, multiverse yeah, whatever. Multiverse. Your uh, your boys working on Morrison. Oh yeah. If he brings back the Blue Beetle, I will stop saying bad stuff about him. Yeah, Ted Quart is supposedly supposed to be. Well, I don't know why you'd say bad stuff about him. Anyway, he's responsible for Happy. Ted Quart is also supposedly <laughs> coming back yeah. in this last issue of uh, Forever Evil. Is that why it's yeah. taking for ever? Yes. How are we going to place him in here? Uh, it could be that they're tired of people getting upset about, you know, their bad release date. <laughs> like, we've finished this story off before we finished the rest of them. They don't so. care, Rob. Let me tell you why. If they, if they cared, we wouldn't know about Grayson. Yeah, well, they're laughing all the way to the bank. Yes. But you know, as, as much bitching and complaining as people have done about, like, Stephanie Brown and Wally West, they finally have caved. So maybe you just ought to start complaining about... Yeah. Well, actually, on that note, dun, 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 even Boston. though they've already had a Blue Beetle during, character, in oh, the new we're talking 52. about Ted Cord still. No. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, oh, during during our podcast, I received some news that there's going to be a book. Wait, coming. wait a minute. Just now, breaking news. Yeah. During, uh, I think they said in July, the Batman and series will stop being Batman and. And return back to being Batman and Robin. And it's ending with a giant, not crossover, but like a one-shot book with him in the Justice League facing off against Ra's al Ghul. It somehow leads them to Apocalypse in Batman's attempt to revive Damien. So that's where the other pit is. The Apocalypse. No, there's like like a chaos shard or something. How do you track that exactly? The Apocalypse. Hmm, now the Lazarus pits on all the other places on Earth are gone. We'll have to go to the one apocalypse. <laughs> Russell, I, you're crazy. I, would, I would think <laughs> Raish would know. Follow me. <laughs> what? I would think Raish would know. That's and you point. read that last issue, right? Uh, God, that's the, 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 the Batman and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm, I'm going to... He draws a mean... Raz, Raish, whatever you want to call him. Ross. Evil looking son of a bitch. I call him Rish. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, Rish. Rosh. I'm going to fly in the actually. face of everybody. Ross. <laughs> and I'm going to go with the idea that Damien will not come back. Instead, it'll just be a sock puppet that Batman <laughs> wears. Maybe they're just going to Apocalypse to find the best toilet. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I, the whole world is a toilet. Mm-hmm. We just need to find the best one. Maybe we'll get scott free <laughs> out of this. Okay. Maybe. Deadpool didn't marry a sock puppet. The blue girl sock puppet. I don't see why not. It's in the new the Deadpool $10 shoe. Really quick, that one-shot book, mm-hmm. the cover of it shows Darkseid wearing Batman's cowl. That's crazy. Oh, that was nuts. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that, where was that when we started? Well, we've seen yeah. Bane wear it, too, so it's just the flavor of the month. Although, okay, that's a good point. Interesting thing, we did find, um, or at least we're, we're pretty sure we found, that Although we have stuff going on on Earth 2, where Scott Free's at, mm-hmm. evidently Apocalypse is like, there's just one Apocalypse, it seems. So, we could actually get Scott Free, because there's not multiple Apocalypses in different Earths. Mm-hmm. There's just one. So, if so, Scott Free was to hmm. be on Apocalypse, he could come over to Earth Prime from Earth 2. 
That's interesting. Yeah, that's why Apocalypse never attacked Earth 2, because he was busy attacking Earth 1. <laughs> but it's also why we've never seen Desaad or Steppenwolf, because they were sent to attack Earth, Earth 2. Too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's weird. That's a, it's, that's it's a, a strange, a strange kind of comment. But they've been talking about that in Earth Two. Uh, the possibility that somehow, like Apocalypse, is like a nexus. Like, I haven't caught, kept up with Earth Two at all, or World's Finest. Right. Mm. Have, they, have they ever explained how Power Girl and Huntress got over to? Flash of white light. <laughs> they rode on the back of Green Lantern. <laughs> no. It could be. No, uh, it, it looks like, and I don't think they've completely explained it yet, but they were pulled through whenever Batman and Superman wound up doing the. when they sacrificed their life to stop Apocalypse from being able to, to, to attack Earth 2. Mm-hmm. They went kind of sending themselves to Apocalypse and then blowing up the pieces of Apocalypse that could transport back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so I think they got yanked like halfway there, and they just got decanted into Earth One I see. or Prime. Because doesn't uh, Mister Terrific gets back to Earth Two at some point, doesn't he? Well, he mm-hmm. wasn't originally from Earth Two. Now, like, according to the New Fifty Two, he started in Prime or our universe, and then he built himself like a, a pocket outside of reality, which he uses his lab to do crazy science, I guess. Oh, yeah, where Terrific, else would yeah. you do it? Oh, that's true. Exactly. Safer that way. Right, yeah. Anyway, it's eventually that collapsed and it wound up sucking him in there too, I guess. Nobody no, gets... they sent him there because nobody liked him. Oh, man. Fair play, sir. Fair play. <laughs> nobody gets mad when you play your music really, really loud that... in a pocket universe. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, books to watch for curves go. Oh, uh, The Devilers is coming out from Dynamite by Joshua Hill Falkoff. And, uh, well, crap, I don't know. What's the other one I always say? Pathfinders. There you go. Pick oh, that yeah. one up. Ross? Uh, the End of Forever Evil coming up in a couple weeks, and then that Batman and whatever Robin book that I just talked about. Sweet. Yep. <laughs> Mike? Uh, the upcoming Spider-Verse thing sounds pretty cool. Right. Slots, slots doing. Hang in with Black Science. Probably my favorite book right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right and then the uh, upcoming Cyclops and the Starjammer sounds pretty cool. That other Remender book, Lowe's, coming up. Right. The Rocket Raccoon ongoing might be interesting. They're yeah. going to have a one-shot with Rocket Raccoon and Groot, too, prior to that launching. Well, uh, free comic book? I don't know. Hmm. can't remember is what that, that is. Is that a movie prequel, though, or is that actually... No, it's no. A, no I heard it's about own, that. It's a, it's a, a one-shot before the series kicks yeah. off. It's going to be Scotty Young, I think. Yeah. Rob? Uh, Nightcrawler looks like it's going to continue to be awesome. Here in uh, probably a couple months, we're going to have a Wolverine with Iron Fist and Shang-Chi, which I'm really excited for. So That's cool. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I had something in there, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 it's ding, like, ding. Like all the balls are rolling around, nothing's happening. Well, you didn't enjoy the Iron Fist issue, so... I did, yeah, I like that. I, I, as far as the books to keep watching, I mean... Iron, Iron Fist is good. Moon Knight was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I like both those. Uh, Nova's good. Guardians of the Galaxy good. Super excited this week for the Justice League, where we get to see the Metal Men posing as the Justice League. It's, re- it's really good, too. It looks fantastic. Uh, kind of a spoiler alert. They never actually look like the Justice League. No. Thanks a lot, Dang Ross. It. Sorry. Ross. 
you just you enjoy that so much. Look at him. Look at him. He just I know he's smiling because he loves it. It's not really a spoiler at all. No, well, whatever. Like I said, Hell Hydra. <laughs> Gary Shanley. That's awesome. Oh my God. Oh, you know what I heard today? I heard uh, a possibility in Phase Four of a Better Way Bill movie. Yeah. Did you type that up yourself? No, man. I wish I, <laughs> I, wish I did. Uh, Why? That makes no sense. Guardians of the Galaxy. Because they already Guardian, have Thor. If Guardians of the Galaxy isn't crazy enough, and people actually see it, then this is our next step to see how or crazy. Thor. Well, of course, I, I, I still say at this point, like anything that they say for Phase Four is still liquid. Secrets and lies. We'll see. Don't <laughs> take away my horse face Thor, Rob. Black Panther. <laughs> Starring. Curtis. I am. I'm, I'm down. Oh, by the way, we have a plan for you the next show you get to go to. But we'll go over that later. I don't know what he's talking about. You better it not. It's your idea. Because <laughs> it ain't going to happen. I say things, and sometimes <laughs> I don't. I'm not really paying attention. <sighs> Tiki. 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 Ah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm a pissed off man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's on there.